Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of Three is Company. We're here talking about the Lord of the Rings, the card game. I'm Joseph, and I'm joined by Liam and Ryan. You guys are all excited about football, aren't you? Soccer. Yeah, man. It's Soccer. Great. That's right. The final is tomorrow. Football could potentially be coming home. I don't jinx it, though. But it, it is coming home. It's it definitely coming, coming it home. It is coming home. It is. It is. It's coming home. <laughs> I'm super excited. I've been watching all the games. And, uh, yeah, it's been buzzing. I watched one at the pub as well, because it's quite hard to get into pubs this time around. Um, last World Cup, I watched them all down pubs because it's super fun, super good atmospheres. But this time around, because of COVID, it's, it's really difficult. They're all, like, booked up miles in advance for obvious reasons and um i did watch the denmark game in a pub and that was really fun so i got to see one in a pub and now i'm happy to do the rest from home but our lockdown restrictions have lifted quite significantly so we can have loads, loads of people over to watch it which awesome. is awesome yeah so i get to watch it with all my friends and family and stuff um and hopefully we get to watch england win their first tournament for a very very long time by the time people listen to this, they can laugh at you for yeah, not for having winning a month ago or something. <laughs> yeah, for having any type of hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Ryan said. Ryan just said he's going to stay up super early and watch it. Right? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> not worth it. Not worth it. I'll catch the Hello. end. Yeah. I think also Day a month. Is, month is optimistic because is our last episode out yet? No, I haven't edited our last episode yet. So, <laughs> so six months from now, right? And England could... are still licking the wounds. Yeah, maybe That's maybe the next World Cup would have started by the time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, hey, Ryan, uh, you could probably just like catch just extra time, so you can just you don't even have to watch the nil nil nail biter for ninety minutes. Yeah, and and then you can just watch penalties, and uh, that's it. Sounds good. Well, this is a Lord of the Rings car, uh, card game podcast. You guys have been playing any Lord of the Rings? We got to play together since last yeah. time. That was fun. Yeah, we did. That's going to be the first thing we talk about, isn't it? The epic multiplayer Helm's Deep. Yeah, so tell, uh, you can't talk about that yet, but anything no. else is fair game. <laughs> well, it's like, it was like being uh, back in America with you guys. Uh, five solid hours of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That's nothing compared to Con of the Rings, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> 20 <laughs> hours straight. <laughs> I didn't really ask what either of you were eating and, and whether it was beige. Whilst playing the Epic Helms. Yeah, yeah, we should have all been eating like lard. Yeah. <laughs> Coated in lard. <laughs> Deep fried burgers. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was eating anything. I think I was drinking. It was quite. I I was pretty hungover. From the yeah, you're hungover. Before. Yeah. Oh, because I couldn't even record the last podcast. I was so hungover. Hungover a lot. <laughs> I know. I know. You said, "Well, f- football's coming." <laughs> um, <laughs> coming home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Literally. Coming home to the Shire. <laughs> I think I kind of sheepishly said, oh, I'm feeling a little bit unwell. I might have to lie down. It was it was 100% alcohol-induced. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that came across or not. <laughs> you guys been doing any gaming since we recorded last, three weeks ago? I've been doing quite a little bit of Marvel Champions, I have to say. Um, um, yeah, a game that I played. A, fr- a few of my friends bought the starter set when it first came out, and I played against like Rhino, which is like the starter hero. And I should have really known, but I played it a few times, and 
I was just really bored by it. I didn't think it was very fun or exciting. It seemed super easy and super basic, like a really stripped down version of Lord of the Rings. Um, but Rhino is the starter one. So that's kind of like basing your Lord of the Rings experience off of um, Passage through Merkwood. Passage through Merkwood, yeah, which basically like hands you the win. There's cards that ready your own dudes, like <laughs> encounter cards that ready your cards. Like, uh, so um, it was a bit unfair to base it off that. Um, and uh, a few of my friends were going to one of these like event things that they do. So you get like promo cards and stuff. And um, with everything, it was the first thing that first event that was available after things started opening up. So I was like, yeah, I want to go just to play some cards with people for the first time in a long time. I bought the starter set off a friend that stopped playing, made a little deck and turned up and played something that wasn't the starter game. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I went and just bought everything because <laughs> it was super fun. And um, and yeah, I've been really, really enjoying it. I think it's a really, it's definitely like a more stripped down version, but it's a cooperative um, and it's just slightly more accessible. I think that's the reason why it's sort of like stripped back. But there's enough nuance to it, and there's enough cards now in their cardboard. It's quite deep now. They've had a lot of heroes come out and like quite a few packs. So once I picked them, them all up, like the deck building really opened up for me as well. Um, and you could do some pretty interesting stuff. So just been playing a fair amount of that. It's also quite because it's Marvel, uh, quite popular. Um, so a lot of my friends play uh, play it, and obviously with it being new, and they're still bringing cards out for it and stuff. Um, so it's quite easy for me to find games for it as well. Um, but yeah, do do quite rate it now, actually. Really, really didn't enjoy it to start off with, but having good fun with it now. And that's about it, really. Uh, that and watching football. How much yeah, is there? Quite Sorry. a lot now. In yeah, terms of, cause... you've got the starter set, and they've got these two like large boxes, if you will, um, which they which contain two heroes, two new heroes, and five villains. And you can mm. play it as a campaign, like a, a boxer campaign. Quite a light campaign, uh, like from my experience. Um, or you can play the villains as standalone uh, things to go up against. Um, then there are three, I think, print-on-demand villains. So, um, like, not print-on-demand, but like standalone villains so it's just a packs. pack that you buy yeah that's just villains and then hero packs it's quite a lot there's there 15 of them yeah like or 13 out two more pre-order yeah there's a lot and uh, you get cards in each of them and they come with like pre-made decks and stuff which is quite interesting um so if you bought like the doctor strange pack you could literally just just buy that and turn up to a game and play because it comes with a Doctor Strange deck in there. Obviously, like they're a bit, bit of a mixed bag with those pre-made decks. Like some are actually pretty decent. I've played a couple that I was like, oh, that's actually not a bad deck. And then some of them are just like, why? Why even bother? Like it's just so bad. But um, but yeah, there's, they've got a lot of stuff and they're really channeling it out. Like there's more stuff on the horizon. Another box has been announced. A ton more standalone heroes have been announced. Um, so they're really obviously it's Marvel, so it must sell like absolute hotcakes and. It's very approachable and it's co-op. Um, yeah, uh, I've been enjoying it a lot actually. I played a couple of games of it and I had a pretty good time, but I didn't end up buying in. Do you like Marvel as like a thing? Is that is that something you enjoy? Uh, casually, I've watched most of the movies and I enjoy the. I've really enjoyed the Netflix shows and most of the Disney shows, but I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur. Mm. Never think, read yeah. the comics. Yeah, I think it's um, 
Yeah, it's interesting because they, they do some of the heroes they release are a bit like niche, they're a bit like sort of oh, who's that? Um, like, uh, but yeah, there's I, I I think it's a decent one. Um, it's definitely not as good as Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. I think Lord of the Rings has a lot more depth to it. Um, obviously, it's been out for like a lot longer and they've got a lot bigger card pools and hundreds of literally hundreds of quests, but um, it's definitely not coming even close to my Lord of the Rings experience, but um. But yeah, absolutely worth worth purchasing. I think and I've been a lot of fun with my friends playing it. it of course, it is sixty bucks. Wow, really? I picked, well, I bought mine off of a mate for like twenty five, but the, <laughs> the Marvel Champions course at sixty bucks. Wow. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is still oh. forty dollars ten years later. I have to say though, um, one good thing that they do with the core set for Marvel Champions is that it, it literally has everything you need. You do not have to buy three core sets. But yeah, I think I, they finally well, corrected that issue. It sounds like they just redid the Arkham core set, so you don't have to buy two as well. From what I hear, nice. Yeah, because that is annoying. Um, so you buy one Marvel Champions uh, of each of everything, and you'll have all the things you need to play. Good deal. Um, yeah. It's seventy-seven over here. Whoa, whoa. just comparable. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's the same basically. Just the number gets higher, but the value is the same. The games are really long when you go up to like three or four players. Like when I've gone to these event things and you're playing with three other people, like it takes a long time to play. Um, More than four hours, 59 minutes and 34 seconds. <laughs> quite <that> long. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that long. But um, I, I would say like at least three hours in wow. my experience, um, which can be a bit draining. And and there's a lot of maths to it as well. Like I, I think sometimes when you're beating the villain, because it comes down to like attack, um, sometimes you know that you've beaten the villain a bit before, so it's a bit anticlimactic. It's a bit like oh, well, I, we know that we've we've won at this point, but we have to kind of go through the motions. Locations, I don't think are done very uh, as well. Um, they do have side schemes, which I guess are sort of similar to locations. There's, it's just it's like. It's like, you know, it's Lord of the Rings with a different suit, and the suit is is definitely one that is trying to appeal to much more people. You can imagine, you know, Marvel fans seeing this, picking it up, but not really knowing card games and stuff, um, and then being able to still play and have fun. I think that's kind of the way it's, it's done. But there's enough stuff out now that if you buy it all and you are really into card games, there's enough stuff now that you can actually do a lot of fun stuff with the decks and actually do quite a lot of fun, interesting things of the game rather than sticking to the really basic stuff. And you can still buy the entire released uh, product line for under like, for like $400 instead of like 2000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can actually buy it. But <laughs> there yeah. is actually stock. <laughs> so it's always helps. Yeah. Um, if anybody would like to sell Thrawn from um, from uh, Imperial Assault to me, uh, including the cards, uh, please uh, message Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I will pay top dollar. <laughs> I thought you had this guy. I thought you found uh, this guy in in uh, some other thing. I got you a miniature. I got a miniature for you, but apparently he wants some cards too. 
incredible within itself. But yeah, I'm I'm one of the people that just I want I want the cards. It's the last thing I don't have for Imperial Assault. You cannot get it for love nor money. So annoying. Just let me give you money, FFG. I have money. I want to give it to you, please. <laughs> the Thrawn villain pack. Is that right? That's it. Yeah, that's okay, I, I could take a look in the shops here for you if you like and oh, see if yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I'll pay for that from Australia. Cheaper how than much, this. How much you paying, man? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's one on, on English eBay, British eBay. There's one one on there, and it's like 70 quid <laughs> for this pack that costs like seven ninety nine. It's like, come on. <laughs> and still, and they're like, hmm. <laughs> They don't want oh, to sell it to you. Yeah, there's there's one in UK right now. It looks like on eBay. Uh, just like that, that is quite a lot, though. Like that feels bad, right? Like paying like ten times. Some oh. scalper as well. It's like you know, it's not even someone that's like doing you a favor. It's like someone's like, hey, there's no thrawn anywhere. I'm just gonna put that on that. So. Shipping is forty pounds to the US for a thrawn. Wow. <laughs> and. Uh, what about you, Ryan? You've been playing anything? You've been playing not really, uh, no. Just our phone game. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, I've been playing that. Got quite into that uh, zombie spanking game. It, uh, it's not zombie spanking anymore. It's more like fighting other alliances. Like I said, <laughs> I think I might have found it, Leo. I think I found this thrawn pack for you. In it. <laughs> no way! Really? Twenty yeah. yeah, ten. Was well, a local game store, and um, it, it says it's in stock on their website. In stock too. Oh mate, how much is it not like is it $21.95 in stock two, it says. Oh, how much do you reckon postage would be? Um, I don't know, but I need to ship some stuff back to UK soon anyway, because my sister's having a baby and I need to send some gifts. Oh. So I'm sure I could fit it in the box. Yeah, <laughs> my yeah. sister will open the gifts and be like, What's this? Well, <laughs> I'll go and pick it up from the sister and be like, Chew. <laughs> I always thought it was the baby's thing. <laughs> like all the cards like <laughs> Mate, uh, yeah, if they have got it. Yeah, um, yeah, no problem. Well, no problem. Let's deal with this after, shall we? <laughs> Instead of taking up the podcast time. That's a very frustrating box that I've had unticked for a while. <laughs> mm, there we go. Well, if anyone's listening and needs a game part, let me know and I'll find it over here. Languishing at Australian shop. Yeah, 20% service fee, obviously. Well, it's handling fees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, yes. Uh, Joe's rate for you editing the podcast as well, so uh, I appreciate it. People gotta get paid. <laughs> um, gaming wise, though, not a lot since the last time. Uh, just been busy playing that other game. That other game takes a lot of attention, so uh, it's keeping me busy. Played a little bit of balloons. What about you, Joseph? All right, before 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 you do that, I want to know mm. monetary wise how much you spent on this mobile phone. Now? Mm. <laughs> I don't actually know. I spent a load this morning though. Yeah, I don't know. No, 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 no. Come on. It's it, it probably three figures. So about, I would guess about 200, probably. And you reckon you got 200 out of entertainment out of it? Because if you do, that's... Oh, okay. yeah. Like, that's the only reason I spend money on it is because I play it so much. And I've waffled about this before, but I think I said I, I bought a couple of games, you know, $35. You play it one time. And... And I haven't touched it since, whereas this other game's like, okay, I'll give the devs some money. So, uh, if yeah. they, like, often like, the returns on those games. So, like, if you spend on those app games, often if you spend, like, the first 50 to 100 quid, you get some, like, mm. really great stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. It gets, it gets more expensive to upgrade uh, stuff. 
Yeah, and then as as you go on, like the more money you spend, like the less it's worth it after a certain yeah. point. Unless and mega money if you're like a whale or something. That's yeah, just I'm, trust me, I'm not going to be a whale. There's this, so not to derail the podcast too much, but there's some Korean guy on there who's like the strongest guy in the state and apparently he's a millionaire and he's just miles ahead of anybody mm. else. There's no point in he's trying to catch this guy. Well, yeah, who knows if he still is. But anyway, you know, there's no point. In, it, it, I guess that's a weird thing about these games is it completely warps it. You know, there's nothing you can do in terms of skill to beat that guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I don't, I don't like that part of it, but the, I think the social part's good. Yeah. So it's it's worth it, and I I try to remind myself of how much I spent on this game, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably to, uh, you know in the thousands. You need to you need to do that. What did that sell for? What were we talking about last time? Seven hundred. Seven hundred bucks. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely haven't spent seven hundred bucks on this mobile game. No way. So what, somebody spent that on one card. Yeah. And they've already owned the card as well. It's not yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joseph. Yeah, right. <laughs> good, good news, listeners. Our next giveaway. <laughs> yeah. I've given away Altar Bormir, actually. So not to me, you haven't. Oof. Not to you. So, Bormier. Joseph, what have you been playing? I have been playing a little Lord of the Rings. Life has been a little crazy for me with being out of my house from that water damage issue. So finally back in my house, back a little more regular schedule. Although I have no furniture or floor or downstairs really, but uh, yeah, but been playing a little Lord of the Rings, played a fun game uh, a couple nights ago on YouTube. I played intruders in Chetwood and tried to blast through it as quick as I could and uh, got peaked out at 46 willpower on Turn three. That was fun. And use some unusual cards. But I haven't played as much Lord of the Rings just because of chaotic, chaotic life. But um, I've jumped into another Fantasy Flight game, which is fun because I haven't played many of their games for a while now. But my son uh, asked me to get into Star Wars Legion, which is a miniatures tabletop game. Uh, kind of step up in some ways from imperial assault more free form not a campaign or board game necessarily so there's a bunch of stuff to collect for that and me and my eight-year-old have been playing some games and it's pretty cool i love that you're like oh my son got into uh, to legion and begrudgingly i had to buy loads of star wars miniatures and yeah uh, uh, rough. Real, real shame <laughs> <laughs> my kids have been asking what daddy what Star Wars games did you play when you were a kid? I'm like, I didn't play any Star Wars games, and their jaws drop. They don't understand that. <laughs> Where was your daddy's game uh, games room and painting table? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've been really cranking on this blood and plunder stuff. They uh, the company hired me to do some work for them, so I've been doing spending a lot of my evenings where I would be doing Lord of the Rings doing development on that it's been real fun and rewarding but it takes some time and i actually took a little trip back to florida to see some of the historical sites and uh hang, spend some time with the company there so i was uh just a couple weeks ago i was in florida so gaming stuff happening but i just haven't got as much lord of the rings in as usual but plan to remedy that and play through the angmar awakened cycle on youtube making 
uh, custom decks for those quests this coming month. So that's my plan. In your most recent video, how uh, how much uh, willpower did you get up to turn one? Turn one? I think it was like 10 or something, but turn three was my moment of glory. Oh, no, no Check out turn three. <laughs> Shortest video I've ever put up there. 14 minutes. But a couple weeks ago, we all got to play together in a community event, the Epic Helms Deep uh, quest, which uh, Joe, our purple wizard, worked has been working hard on for like a year, really. Um, adding some custom cards and modifying the quest a bit so it can be played by several staging areas at once. They kind of did a test run with three staging areas, and we got to be part of that. All three of us played together as one of the staging areas. And last episode, we did some deck building uh, for it, and that was fun. And the decks were pretty good, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But what was your guys' general impression of the experience? Had a great evening. It was, uh, yeah, drinking drinking whiskey in takeout, playing Lord of the Rings for five hours with a bunch of really cool people. I, uh, I had a very, very fun evening. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was very early for me. I had to get up at 5.30. <laughs> so I was a bit, little bit groggy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good to play again. And um, I enjoyed the decks we played, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's always good to play Helm's Deep because it's such a good quest. Yeah, so just... having some new things in it spiced it up a bit. There was a lot going on. I will say that. I can't remember all the things that were going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of new abilities. Maybe you could break those down if you can remember some of them. It's very happy that um, Purple Wizard was there to yeah, yeah, tell to us what to do, help us out. Because um, I think I would have, or I would, I would have struggled personally if it was me by myself. Um, I was glazing over a little bit when he was talking about all the special rules until we actually got going. <laughs> Since once you sort of started, like. Um, when you actually started it, uh, but it was at, at first it was like, oh wow, I don't know if I'll actually understand this. But, um, but yeah, once you kind of got going, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I get, I get what they, what they mean now. So, if you want to just discover it yourself, you should skip the next ten minutes or so. But here are the basics of the quest that I remember. Um, some of the quest cards were adjusted. Some of them original. There was no new encounter cards, but a couple had been removed. Specifically, the night without end. That kind of goofs up the coordination between stages and areas. You have to take a token off the objective there. Um, so the rest of the encounter deck was pretty much the same. And then there's two main things. Well, maybe three. Well, two that made it epic. One is the locations, which are a big part of the quest. Uh were very interactive between the staging areas. So in the normal game, if uh, the quest will try to explore the locations like the enemy conquering them, and then they do something terrible to you. In the epic version, it does something terrible to everybody. So you usually start at that wall of Helm's Deep. If it gets explored by the enemy, you raise your threat by four. In this case, it raises every staging area's threat by four. 
So anybody time anybody failed that, it was nine people raising it. It was 36 points of threat raised for one staging area failing that. So if two staging areas fail it simultaneously, it's very terrible. The same thing for the <laughs> culvert. It spawns like nine to 18 enemies if one or two staging areas did it. So those sort of dramatic and terrible moments from that. Um. But when they blew up, you got the other staging areas got to remove those from their staging area too. So that helped control the threat a little bit because they made all locations immune to player card effects. So a classic and cheaty way to play this quest is to use Asphaloth and other threat or, uh, location control cards just to knock them out when they don't matter. So all that, those shenanigans were removed. Um, so the location is very meaningful. I'm not sure I loved some of that because <laughs> the uh, pain across all the staging areas for one failing was pretty nasty. But on the flip side, if you were able to maintain your hold on that location that wasn't explored, all the other staging areas were able to count that location as zero threat for the next quest stage. So that helps with your... Uh, uh, staging area control as well and we had a wide variety of success and failure on those locations throughout the game so that's pretty fun and then the other main part that made it epic or made it the staging areas linked is during the travel phase there everyone congregated in the uh, group uh, chat area and then there was a bunch of decisions to make there you could give different staging areas good get benefits and or give other people heroes or borrow things like that. So that was a lot of interaction. And that actually was the part that took the longest. I felt there was so many different options. There's like six or eight, 10 different travel phase actions that each stage, you know, I could choose from and it was a bit overwhelming. And some of them were once a game. Some of them you had to tap the card. You had to flip the card over. So that's where a lot of the time was eaten up, and it was interesting, but it it would be better on the second run when you kind of knew the ones you need and have to read them all every time. Is that pretty accurate? And I think because it was everyone's first go, apart from Purple mm -hmm. Wizard, you said it was kind of like, even especially when you have so many decision points uh, that you're making as like a large group of people, um, that can be quite a lengthy process, especially when you combine that with decision points that because of how hard it was, made it feel like they were really, really important, which is obviously great. It made it feel really fun and interesting, but it did also be like, oh, this is a once again thing. Like, should we use it now? Should we mm -hmm. use it later? And it's kind of like, there was a lot of, um, like it felt like the decisions were meaningful and hard, um, but that because it was everybody's first time, I think um, ballooned the discussions uh, in terms of time. And everybody just being polite and not wanting to barge in and say what they wanted to, I think, <laughs> which yeah. is typical of uh, Lord of the Rings players. Yeah, that's very true. And then at the end, there was a bit of a modification of the quest, too. In addition to any enemies you had in play, the end, this is a spoiler, every player has to pull two enemies, I believe, or three enemies, something ter terrible, out of the deck and put them in play, engage with them, and then you have to survive all that, which was quite epic and mm. didn't feel fair but it worked out 
Yeah, nine enemies right at the end. That's in, yeah, it was for three great. players. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So that's uh, basically how the epic version worked. This is its first run with people besides playtesters. It did run five hours, but that was a false start that took about an hour. But it was a very long session. I was very tired at the end. It was enjoyable. Um, Liam, do you remember how the game went? Could you give people a quick rundown of how our uh, staging area felt without going into details on decks? So, Yeah, sure. Um, the first game, well, I think I remember being uh, thinking it was a bit ropey, um, the first game that we played. And then there was a restart as one of the other tables, I think, threaded out or something like that, or, or a hero got killed or something. Um, and then the second game, um, there were moments that were hard, but you guys made some. I wasn't, I wasn't a part of the uh, podcast episode that, uh, for the deck building. Um, I was uh, on the porcelain phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, the decks worked incredibly well together. We played all Rohan, um, and um, I felt like I felt like we were in a good spot. Like it felt like we were doing well. We were clearing up enemies when we needed to. Um, we were getting through locations. We held the gate, Helm's Gate, which was arguably the hardest location to hold, and we held it for practically the entire game. Uh, we didn't lose the gate at all, and other other um, other groups were, uh, you know, losing locations and now and then. Um, but we held the gate uh, for the whole time, uh, which was an extra in- encounter card. So it was a really hard, tough location to hold. Um, and yeah, and I feel that we did i feel that we did really well to be honest like it's an incredibly hard quest and i would say that the changes to it um didn't make it easier by any stretch of the imagination um and i think i i was really pleased with how our table looked throughout most of that game even when those nine enemies came out at the end it was like you look at the table and you're like oh my gosh what we're going to do here and then we're more than one turn yeah, how many do we have at once? You, we did have to get three each. So how many did we have? Any others in play that could have been like eleven enemies? I'll have a look because I've got the video up. Uh, right, I think Ryan and me had one extra one each. Let's have a yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, nine, ten. There's eleven enemies engaged with us at the uh-huh. end, <laughs> and we killed them all in one turn. I think we did <laughs> kill them all in one turn. That felt. Awesome. There were some nice boons you got into, like you get the forest, the horns coming up to munch down the orcs. We were able to use a little bit, and some of the player cards we ended up using worked out perfect for that last, like a uh, Ryan's defending hero. Uh, what's his name? Yellow hair, fast red was able to push him back for the horns to eat. It was a pretty epic moment. Yeah, and then no pushovers these enemies either. They're big, chunky, scary enemies. Loads of archery, loads of hit points, loads of archery attack. Was good. And yeah, archery, as it turned out, was excellent for us. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, um, I'll let you guys talk about that when you talk about the decks. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think generally speaking, I was. It always felt difficult and hard, um, but we always seemed to our decks seemed to work together to pull us out of any situation. Um, and when we came back to the group chat, it always felt like we were in a very strong position um, at the gate. 
um, and some of the other areas um, were really getting hammered and, and sort of um, having a tough time with it. I think we might have made a couple of mistakes here and there, but that's only to be expected. And uh, a new shot. quest and new decks and uh, five-hour session. <laughs> yeah. But I don't um, think I made any mistakes where I feel like it it um, it won as the game or, or anything like that. Yeah, there's a lot of little triggers that happen on the quest cards or the location cards, and I was trying to keep track of those, but I may have missed a thing or two. Oh, the other thing that was disastrous for me is I uh, took the Grima's Council, got a free ally, and then I, at the crucial moment of the game while I had resources and cards, I drew Poison Councils and discarded my hand and then struggled for the rest of the game. So you guys <laughs> pulled most of the weight, most of that whole game. That was brutal, man. I felt for you. It was absolutely hilarious as well, but I did feel for you. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Ryan, you want to lead us through kind of how our decks worked? Yeah, we definitely. We built them live, and we learned some things playing them. We did. We learned some things that are good to do, and we learned some things that are not so good to do. Yeah. <laughs> and certain cards not to take. Maybe a quick refresh, a quick reminder of what we did. So I made a Three Hunters deck and played that. You made a Rohan Crazy deck. But didn't play that. Fengal, the new <laughs> yeah, with uh, hero. Which you then gave to Liam and swapped for the deck that we, or you had made for him um, on the podcast. You made How would fatal. you describe that deck? Joseph made a yeah. mistake. It was uh, a big he, mistake. I made two decks. One was Ansk, <laughs> I thought Liam would want to play those. And then this other one was just kind of a leftover support deck. It used uh, Elrond to boost healing, but I was the only one that had any healers. And when you discard your hand and have can't find your card draw, the healers didn't pop up. Um, some some message. And I had a, a Rohan Defender to cancel shadow effects. That was my most helpful thing, is just defending every once in a while. But hmm. yeah, my deck was kind of leftovers, and it showed because <laughs> you like put up in the chat you're like Liam here's two decks which one do you want to play I was like well obviously <laughs> <laughs> this one looks awesome fun it's full of new cards and you've got loads of great tricks and the, and the other one is just clearly a bunch of cards that you were just left <laughs> guilty um, have you had a chance to play the deck that I played since uh, I played it a basic deck like that uh, several times recently, but not since, yeah. I recommend it. It's decent. <laughs> yeah, so I guess there's one big glaring thing that we should get out of the way first before we talk about how well each deck worked, and that was the discussion and decision to use Throngill. And what we were planning to do... It was in someone's deck. I can't remember whose now, but we discovered that um, after we stopped recording, we read the card, and it says you can't put it on Fellowship Aragorn, which is what we were planning to do. <laughs> so that, I'm sure there are people listening to that episode like, what are these guys talking about? Why don't they play this game? <laughs> we quickly realized that we couldn't do that anymore. So we got rid of that plan. And um, so that never happened, unfortunately. And uh, as it turned out, we didn't have Aragorn the whole time. 
only had him some of the time, so it wouldn't have been very reliable anyway. We only had him like two turns. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing was that when we were building the decks, we were having a discussion about Aomond. And um, not to do too many spoilers, but it was a decision like, should we do one Aomond, two, or three? And we did three, and it turned out to be the right choice. For yeah. reasons that Liam can explain in a minute. <laughs> Yeah. So it, I think the lesson is either you go full Aemond or go home for Helm's Deep. I mean, he, if that, you're crazy uh, enough to do Rohan Fellowship. Yeah, then <laughs> definitely play Aemond and definitely run three copies and definitely run Sneak Attack. Yeah, I mean, he was incredible. He was absolutely our outstanding MVP. He readied the entire board every single turn. I, I want to say maybe not the first turn. But after that, we reoccurred him every single time. And um, it wasn't easy either. You had to use several different methods of bringing yeah. him back. Yeah, there was lots of different tricks and, and, and also different methods of killing him as well. Poor guy. <laughs> riddled with arrows by the end of it. Stood on the gate like zombie Aemon just constantly coming back to life. Just like, let me die. Let me have peace. <laughs> Just, just full of arrows. Just like, shot off the wall. We prop him back up. Pretty soon, he was just like a porcupine <laughs> holding himself up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's probably definitely like dead. But as you say, just like arrows. There's so many. The weight of the arrows are just like propping him alive, and the orcs are just assuming that he's there. And it was, and it was really roaring our troops on. Like, yeah, look at him, and he's still going. He's still going. He had died a long time ago. But, you know, <laughs> Seeing that, it really emboldened our troops, and they constantly readied every turn. <laughs> he was great, though, wasn't he? I mean, like there was so many different ways to like bring him back, and so many different tricks, and it just meant that we could quest so hard and then ready and have a proper brawl every single turn. It was really, it was just, and everybody it happened because it's across the board. Obviously, Aemon readies all Rohan when he leaves play, um, and it was a sea of Rohan on that bridge. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, it worked really well, didn't it? Yeah, excellent choice to go full Aemond. Yeah, that counterbalanced the Thorongil noobness, <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, maybe if we talk about each of our decks and how well it went. Perhaps uh, start with me first, because I'm talking, and mine's pretty simple. I played the Three Hunters deck, and I was happy with how it worked. It was easy to play, which was good, because I was distracted by my other game at the time. Um, I think that it came online turn three. And it was good because when we weren't dumping archery on Aemond, we could put it on my heroes and heal that off with Elrond's little healing boost. Yeah, so that was really good. Um, I think Aemond was killing stuff from turn one, which I was really happy about. I used that new Herobrand hero, and he I think he was questing for five turn one, which was solid. And then he was doing eight, something like that, mm-hmm. thereafter. Once ready, yeah, and he was readying up and then attacking with Aemond as well. Uh, Aemond, sorry, which was really good. Um, there were a few cards that I took out and put in. One that I put in after we, I'm pretty sure that we didn't have this in there when we were talking, but it was a Rohan Warhorse. That card turned out to be amazing because mm-hmm. it's restricted and readies Aemond all the time. There's a lot um, of enemies to kill on this quest. Yeah. I had the one ring, and I only used it once, I think, in the whole 11, 10 round game. 
But it was still good to have that restricted card. Although there was a point where we were discussing threat. <laughs> and thank goodness I had Fastred to keep me going down the whole time. Because I was getting a little bit nervous. Everybody blowing up walls here left and right. That was making me nervous. I After we recorded, I went and played it against uh, Passage Through Mirkwood. Because that's all the testing you need, right? Mm. And um, I ended up running 30 restricted cards plus the one ring because I was a bit worried about it getting online. I didn't want it to fail on the stream, but it, it turned out okay. One card that made me laugh during the game was the round shield because I think I put that in just so I'd have some zero-cost restricteds. But it turns out it's actually pretty good in that quest because a lot of those enemies have got, um, well, the shadow cards are plus two attack or plus one attack or um, the plus X where X is the number of progress tokens on the location or something like this. And I think you triggered it twice to stop damage on your defender. Yeah, you gave one to me, and it actually helped. It was one of the few cards I had in play. I was very valuable. Yeah. So that, that card made me laugh. A card I didn't see was Golden Belt, which I was a little bit disappointed by because I had a ton of restricted cards in hand, and I never quite got it to, you know, God mode or whatever. Um, but that was okay because I think my deck did its job. It, it quested all right. I didn't need to pay too much attention to it. I was killing stuff. So overall, I was pretty happy with that deck. And I think it, it, I think it, Three Hunters is probably a good choice for that quest. The only downside was there are certain things in the quest that I didn't get to do, like put out the free allies. Right. There's one from, the, I think, so the normal quest, so to speak, gives you a free ally if you choose to do it at the beginning. But I think one of the quest stages, they'd made it so you could search your deck to put one in. Yep, there was an additional yeah. out free I was basically like, well, I guess that won't be me then. So We should have used Message from Elrond and put it in your hand and then used a different card to put it on the top of your deck, and then you could have done it. Yeah, but we probably would have lost if we'd done that. <laughs> so overall, I was pretty happy with that deck, especially considering that it was built on the fly um, during the podcast, one other card I'll just mention briefly before we move on is that new Rohan search card, Need Brooks No Delay. I think we'll be talking about it later. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a search card, search top 10 cards of your deck for a printed, uh, well, cost two or less card or three if it's unique. And it only costs one if you've got three Rohan heroes. And I, I enjoyed playing that. It was, it was fun to get stuff out. And I think I got an Armored Destry and put it on you, which yep. helped a lot. Mm-hmm. So I def definitely recommend that that hero lineup as well. AMR faster than hero brand. So that was me. I think. Oh, go on. Sorry. Never mind. No. Oh. Well, I was going to say maybe Liam should talk about his deck next because that deck pretty much went off. I would say I feel like that deck did the best out of all three. Yeah, I I would agree that that deck was basically it's it's basically an ally swarm deck. Over half the deck is allies. Um, um and you just vomit them all out onto the table and they do all their various cool stuff and um you get a really good foothold off of that and then just every single turn was just trying to reoccur aim and um and letting all the other allies do their thing and the heroes are pretty decent as well especially with the fact that um because we were so confident about the aim and reoccurrence it meant i could use their quite high willpower um to quest um, knowing that they'd be ready with their high attack because sometimes like Dengo and Theoden it's sort of like you know 
they've got such good stats, it's difficult to take advantage of them in, in all the phases once you exhaust them. Um, so it was nice to sort of have the ability to quest with them and do something in the um, fight phase with them as well. Um, so the heroes are Thingol, Theoden, and Theodred. Mm. And Theodred was good, kept giving money over. Actually, it needed the money at the start, uh, but once uh, you played... Um, uh, you played... Um, uh, Stuart of Gondor. <laughs> it was just very kind of you. Um, it would make... I mean, looking at the uh, looking at some of the stills from the game that we played, we all had an awful lot of money at various points in that game. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was sort of a bit redundant after a while. Um, it was also really nice to have like a bit of control in there. Like, had three tester wheels in there. Um, that was nice, and three sneak mm-hmm. attacks. Those with Aemond or Gandalf. Uh, but the test of wheels really came in clutch at the end. I don't know if you guys remember, but we got rolled at the end with um, what's that? It, it, we got it twice. Devilry of Saruman. <laughs> I think we got twice <laughs> at the end, maybe. In one turn, yeah. In one turn, and we had enough test of wheels to get past it, thankfully. Um, and yeah, it was I think just. We cancelled that three or four times. It hit us, went off once. But if we hadn't yeah. cancelled that, yeah, we'd have been in big trouble. I think it would have lost us the game at the end, actually, if we didn't have the Tester Wills. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like just lots of really decent allies doing their thing. And in fact, it 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 felt so strong that like a lot of the leave game abilities just didn't need them. I was just using the allies for the raw stats, and they were sat there. And if I needed the like leave game abilities, I could I could use them. But it felt like we had strong enough of a foothold that it just wasn't super necessary throughout most of the game. It was nice to sort of cherry pick when when i used it um and in fact i kind of wanted an ally to leave play uh to be discarded from play at least once per turn because it triggered so many abilities so often it was doing it a bit bit suboptimally just to get the triggers from from there um one card that we can talk about probably in a bit more detail when we go through the cards that we're going to look at the children of earl cards later um in this episode uh morwin steel sheen um i really like the look of her at the start i just couldn't quite get her to jam properly like um maybe we can talk about it more when we actually look at her card but um i feel like i was missing a few tricks there like i feel like she's stronger than i made her look in that game in fact i know that there was one point i even like threw her under the bus in, a, in an attack it, was only yeah, I, it hurt my soul <laughs> yeah I, knew. I was very i was very proud of you that you actually managed to like not say anything. i was like oh, i can't imagine joe's face right now i did have another <laughs> in my hand so it was it was the reason for doing it because i spent so much money and i had another one to play um i had a yeah. hard time not meddling in your gameplay because i love this deck so much <laughs> <laughs> that was a fantastic deck it was one that you built do you want to um, talk about it in any more detail and that's how that's how it felt piloting it for the first time um and obviously um you know i'm sure was, there was a lot of stuff i could have done slightly different to make it even more powerful whilst playing it but um any thoughts uh, on on as the deck maker no, I really enjoyed you playing it, and it was a couple times I wasn't looking at it uh, as detailed as you were, obviously, but I just kept going, what? You can do that too? And that? Yes! <laughs> so I had a lot of fun watching you play it. One card that I thought the discard ability really helped us, especially at the end, was the Westfold Horsebreaker, which lets you ready a hero. That was pretty clutch a couple times. I think that allowed us um, at the end to um, to kill all 11 enemies, I think, if I remember rightly. And there was something I did with it. Like, there was a way 
I reoccurred it as well. With the Squire of the Mark, you can basically put it right back into play. And then if you draw one with Thengle, you can still use it because it's not an exhaust ability. So yeah, you use it like two copies in play and you use them four or five times all in one turn. That was nuts. Yeah, and you can see that on the board and you can just sit on it with this deck. You're like, oh, there's a really powerful combo here. And yeah. now it's like you've got the, it's like you play the tools and then you don't necessarily have to use them. You can just sort of sit on them. Really, really fun deck. Helm's Deep Rohan 1, I think you called it. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to play it, check it out on LinuxDB. It's so much fun. I need to publish it. Thanks for uh, tolerating my constant meddling. I appreciate it, honestly. Because <laughs> it's got a lot of moving parts. It's not like it's a thinker. You can't just just uh, vomit attachments onto your three heroes and just uh, ruffle stomp the whole quest because you don't have to think at all. <clears throat> uh, but <laughs> the uh, Or you don't have to discard your whole hand and just not have any cards to play. <laughs> that segues to me, right? <laughs> How did you find your deck? <laughs> Uh, so my deck was Elrond, Eowyn, Urkenbrand, and then I had a bunch of, uh, I've had 26 allies, all Rohan except Gandalf, plus Warden of Healing, and Honor Guards, I had a little bit of ranged, Ryan's favorite, the Horseback Archer, Deeping Bowman, some Lembus, Stuart of Gondor, Sword That Was Broken, and then some just basic, uh, acceleration events so not a lot of combos there elrond smooths my um, resources and provided card draw and healing bonuses urkin brown was a great defender a one's obviously good for just basic willpower and killing but yeah i just didn't, couldn't get my card draw going and then when i did i had to score to my hand and i was just top decking which was just a disaster only real meaningful things I did is I lent out Eowyn once during the game to help somebody else kill another enemy, which might have been illegal because you might have been blank, but that might have been a mistake I made. I was able to get a sword that was broken out, which made a big difference. So wherever Aragorn went, he was helping uh, with willpower quite a bit. And then I was able to get Steward of Gondor over on Liam's deck so it could go bananas. Um, other than that, my deck just really struggled, which is okay because I was running the encounter deck. I wasn't too distracted by thinking about my deck because I had no options. I had no cards in my hand. So don't play this deck. Or don't take uh, Poison, poison Council. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like seven cards and I had to discard the whole thing. Just so you know, I was making some wretched noises when you mentioned the horseback archer, but it turns out I was on mute. Ha ha. So, there's your little customary one for you. Thank you. He showed up too. And then I discarded him. Yeah. Well, there was a bit in the game where I think we took control of one of those wardens, and I took control of it, and then I got a shadow effect that said exhaust the character so that I used him for it, and that's all he did. That was his role <laughs> in the game, yeah. He was the top step of something, I think. He fell down. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> so not having been part of the uh, deck building, um, one thing that I was surprised uh, we didn't see as we were all playing Rohan was, were cards like Astonishing Speed and We Do Not Sleep, those type of cards. 
Um, they weren't in my deck. Were they in any of your guys' deck? Did we just not see them because you didn't draw them? Or did you make a, a decision that we just didn't need to have that? There well, was one Astonishing Speed in your deck. But <laughs> when I was working on it, I just went for consistency over flashy. But we wished we, uh, Ryan and I talked later, and we kind of wished we had put a couple of those big guys in. I was going to say that we were discussing when we were building the decks the idea of putting in the five cost um, events, the, like the big bomb events. And it turns out there's a moment in the game where if we'd have had one of those in hand, it would have been very, very helpful at the end of the game when all the enemies came out. Although I would say it wouldn't be very thematic because I think the one that would have helped would have been the um, plus two defense and they don't exhaust to defend, which I think is like the beacons. Which yeah. is a bit more Gondory. The Rohan one is the questy one. And I don't think we actually needed to quest from the way that they'd done the defense. Yeah, that's the weird thing Still, about this quest. You can't just rush through at the end. You're just defending. Yeah, and we had enough money to play them as well. We had so much resources the end didn't there was something really thematic that happened at the end didn't they didn't there? did like did gandalf show up at the end and we were like rohan like did, there was something really thematic he came with like theoden or something or no that was well, one of the few cards i played in the game i got a gandalf in at the end yeah that was it right at the very end and then we <laughs> rode out on the bridge and slayed all the orcs like proper it was like yeah it was super thematic we killed all 11 enemies at one turn I'm not sure if I've seen such a slaughter. Although we did get help from the Who Aren't, but that was thematic too. It was awesome. It was really well done last stage. Yeah, it was super enjoyable. Any other comments on that gaming experience? It was long, but it was fun. It was really good. My favorite part was just playing with you guys. Yeah, it was nice to play with other people as well that were content creators, um, sort of uh, chatting to them in the in the chat. That was a really good atmosphere, I thought. It was really like a lot of like banter and a lot of uh, you know, good vibes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, wasn't fully paying attention the whole time, like I said. <laughs> so I'm very <laughs> glad you both were there. I was a bit befuddled by what was going on with Liam's deck too. I was like, what? What did that trigger do? He's triggered what? <laughs> so yeah, it was good. And we, our Rohan Fellowship did really well. Made people yeah, happy to see Rohan succeed. Dangerous choice to try to make a Rohan Fellowship, but I was super happy that it worked. Yep. Uh, thankful for the long extended party cards that really... I was going to say that, together. you know, that's one of the biggest things that probably played into that. And it's a great segue into what we're going to talk about next. So for the kind of summary of my experience, I have a couple slight feedback items or maybe call them criticisms. Do I be negative? Cause it was awesome experience. And Joe obviously put a ton of work on it and it was balanced and we were able to pull out a win. Although I think we technically lost cause one stationary threaded out. So that's one of the things with Epic multiplayer, one staging area fails, everybody kind of goes down. But I felt some of the global penalties for when one location blew up, they multiplied so much. Like you could have brought a 30 threat deck and then by turn two, you could be up in the forties if a couple people popped one of those walls. 
same thing with uh, almost every location. It was pretty much a disaster if it blew up. One of them you can't, no one can attack the whole turn, which could be a disaster. One of them brings out one enemy each player. It seemed almost too much. I don't know if there's a way to scale that down or not, but that was so painful. The threat thing was especially hard, I think. Somebody was at 48 threat on turn two, which is just nuts. Another thing that might have been more streamlined just so it wouldn't take up as much time, but maybe just experience will uh, mitigate that, is just all the different options during the travel phase. They were fun and cool options, but there were so many it was hard to process, especially with uh, nine or ten people trying to decide at once. The ending was probably the highlight for me, that epic battle. I didn't think we'd survive that was because I had five cards on the table and Liam just kept killing stuff. So that was awesome. So that's kind of my summary opinion of the quest. Anything you guys want to add there at the brand? I think did a great job doing it. Very, very hard thing to do to make a game for, was it 12 of us playing? Was it 12 or nine? It was nine, I believe. I mean, like any game with nine people, like that's always going to take a long time. Yeah, it's going to be complicated. And it's going to be complicated. Like um, I mentioned the Marvel Champions taking, you know, quite a long time when you went up past three players and we were playing with nine. So I fully expected when you said, Joe, do you want to come play this uh, this nine-player epic multiplayer game? Um, I fully expected it to go like, at least four hours so i was yeah. not surprised that it went five in my experience playing um in events uh lord of the rings events with epic multiplayer has always been the same it's a really long process um there was definitely bits that made it as you said slightly longer i think um but it also brought some interesting parts to it like the discussions between the tables and stuff i really like that like the ability to help other tables out that was really novel and um and i like those types of things um and i was just really appreciative to have him there to take us through it i think that was really um it was absolutely necessary for for me anyway personally <laughs> yeah and none of us had seen the cards before the extra cards, so we didn't even have time to prepare so him being there was very helpful any parting shots Brian? nothing more to add all right I'm not letting you spend another half an hour on that segment. <laughs> All right, we're back, and we're going to look at the player cards from the Children of Aeoral. We did the quests last time. Which are solid. Let's look at the player cards they've given us, some of which we enjoyed in that Helm's Deep. There are a bunch of them, so we can't linger too long. There are 21 cards, which it seems like there's usually about 12 or 15 max in a normal deluxe. So this is Jumbo Deluxe. This is Waffle House Deluxe. I told you about that Waffle House news story, right? <laughs> you did. Okay. That I won't Waffle say House that. Deluxe is a good thing. Yeah. Is it not? Yeah, good. I reckon the, it's good. I love that you get news alerts for Waffle House. That your phone's just listening to you. It knows you really well. You talk about Waffle House all the time. It's like, this guy needs some Waffle House news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just jump straight in. 
We got to get through these. Yeah. Two minutes max per card. <laughs> Good luck. Who's starting? Shall I start? Do we have an order? It's me. I've got the very actually... first. Yeah, yeah. It's in the, the sheet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Show notes. I should probably carefully prepared yeah. show notes. I just dropped it down so I could see it all on one page. All right. Well, it's me. And the very first card is a hero. And it's a leadership hero. And he is called Ingold. There's an ally in gold, so I, I think it's a canon character, right? It's not made up, this guy. Mm-hmm. And he is a 10 threat cost hero, 3 willpower, 1 attack, 2 defense, 4 health. Gondor and warrior. Response, after a Gondor or warrior ally enters play under your control, draw one card. Then, either spend one resource from Ingold's pool, or raise your threat by 1, limit once per phase. So I think a theme for this box is cards that address weaknesses for certain factions. Would you say that's fair? Patches, yes. Okay, good, good. <laughs> because Gondor are not great at drawing cards, in my experience. You need to run some What's sort true? of lore. Sorry? Goods Rod, or whatever it's called. Is that one where you pay? Yeah. To draw? <laughs> yeah, it's quite slow, though. You know, it's not, yeah. you, usually you need a lore hero to really move them along. So this, this is addressing a weakness, I think, that they've got. And a three-willpower hero in leadership is hard to come by, so that's good. Sam Gamgee's the only other one, isn't he? And Gildor. Thank you, Gildor. But this guy in Gondor is probably going to be a four-willpower hero because of that Vision attachment. Leadership. That's the one, thank you. <laughs> If not more, because leadership tends to run a lot of willpower buffs as well. So on paper, it looks quite solid. Maybe that resource or raising your threat by one thing might put people off, though. I like what do the you think? choice. I think this is pushing the Valor deck type as well, mm-hmm. which is good. And just pushing yourself up to Valor is fun for Gondor, very thematic. And doesn't really hurt you that much as long as you have a way to control it at the end. Or you can pay the money, which is also a Gondor specialty. So it seems all the themes are all tied up in one here. Seems good. And three willpower for any Gondor hero is awesome. Yeah. Because they're all these two, two, two guys, which are hard to get going at the beginning, especially if you don't find your couple of key cards. I like the fact that. Is there's a I know it's Gondor is generally about resources, but the ally who doesn't really see a lot of play has got something to do with having resources. Mm-hmm. So there's a link between the two cards. I don't think he's got much competition this hero from that ally. I don't think it's going to be a tough choice, really. <laughs> You're probably not going to be too bothered about running that ally. I think it from memory is the guy who gets plus one willpower for each hero with a resource. Right. So occasionally he can be three, maybe four in Saga, maybe five if you're running one of those crazy decks that you play. But he's not great, and he doesn't see a lot of play, and he's pretty expensive. So I think this guy is, you know, he's pretty safe. Yep. No competition. Things would be really good for a mono leadership. Well, so um, obviously Gondor love to ally swarm quite often as well. A lot of Gondor decks will be trying to chuck out a lot of allies. So there's obviously a, a response that plays into that aspect as well. Um, but effectively, though, you're almost kind of like paying one resource to draw a card or paying one threat to draw a card. Um, and 
that's okay, I guess. Kind of like it's, having Gildor's ability. Yeah. And you, you probably will have times where you just don't have a resource, so you just spend it as resource, especially like early, get early in the game. Um, but Gondor doesn't hurt for resources once it gets going. There's loads of money in Gondor, loads of resources in Gondor, tons of ways to even thematically uh, get a bunch of money so that perhaps you don't have to take the threat if you don't want to, if you don't want to play into that Valor thing. But this is a reliable way to get those resources from turn one. You might not draw Steward or Gondor for 10 turns, <laughs> but this is there for you right away. So yeah, it's valuable. Okay. Cool picture as well. Do you think so, with the with the ability being Warrior, do you think there could be any possibility for a non-Gondor deck here? I was just I mean, I was wondering about that too. Yeah, I, off the top of my head, there, I'm just going to say there'd be warnings that are Warriors, but actually I don't think there are. So I do a quick search. Yeah, there's a lot of warriors, but it opens it opens a little bit of space though, maybe for that deck in future, which I think is nice. You horn you into Gondor only, which is nice. Um, what about something like um, with like some tactics where you're messing around throwing um allies in at the um uh, at various points, like you know you can have like um what was his name the one uh, who allows you to put an app. Hirgon. So you could do like a warrior deck with him maybe and then you'll also draw in cards which can sometimes be a bit tricky in tactics with if you're throwing it is out lots of limit once per phase. So you could do this in the planning phase, then Hirgon could trigger it again in the quest phase. That would be pretty awesome. Only Aemond was a warrior. <laughs> Sneak attack him in, draw a card. Be loving it. But he's not. Yeah, I'm giving a quick scroll through um Rings DB here. There's a lot of warriors in tactics, so that's a pretty good idea. Maybe some kind of weird Hirgon hybrid. There's quite a few warriors in spirit, believe it or not. Hirgon, you raise your threat too. You could jack your threat by <laughs> three a turn. I would love to see like a really cool Valor deck, one that like actually consistently can get itself to Valor and not lose the game. Yeah, I've made one that gets to Valor real fast, but then I just don't feel like I have enough strength right away to deal with that. But I need to experiment some more. Off to a solid start with this guy. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah. Before we do, I just want one quick question to you guys. So obviously you mentioned that you felt that the theme of these Children of Earl cards, obviously like a loose theme, but a theme was that a patch, if you will, or shoring up weaknesses of certain factions. Um, how do you feel about that, though? Do you think that factions shouldn't have weaknesses, or are the weaknesses too harsh for certain factions that make them unplayable, so they need a bit of help in those? And it's not quite making that faction incredibly powerful in that aspect of the game, but it just stops them from sucking so much in that aspect of the game that they can actually be played to a fairly high uh, standard. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, if, if if surely you show up all weaknesses for all factions, are they not all just generically good at every aspect of the game? I it's an like episode are... topic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, we could put it and talk about it another time if you want. <laughs> I was going to say, no. <laughs> what was our first episode? Uh, do you remember our episode, first, uh, title of our first episode? Uh, Why is like Rohan to... bad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rohan and Gondor are major players in Middle-earth, and having both those decks suck, and uh, Outlands and uh, Dale dominate. 
feels a little off-putting, so I'm happy with cards that make these primary factions not suck, <laughs> even mm. if it levels the playing field a little bit. Uh, I don't think they're pushing them over into overpowered uh, region, so I have no complaints so far. Yeah, I think maybe yeah, it might be worth having another retouch on that on that topic after playing with some of these children of our cards again, because I do definitely think that there is like merit to having weaknesses within factions. I'm not saying mm. these cards stopping those weaknesses from being there uh, that i feel they're more just well balanced and they're actually just making those factions uh you know in line with more powerful factions of the game um but there is definitely like merit to having like strengths and weaknesses so it's, it's interesting it makes them feel different if you've just got everyone doing everything at all the time it's the so we'll have a look at the next hero which is kelador uh, Kelador is a nine threat hero coming in with two willpower, three attack, one defense, three hit points. Uh, but he is a Gondor Ranger Warrior. He's got the ranged trait and uh, he can reduce the total threat in the staging area by one for each unattached trap you control. Response after a trap card you control is attached to an enemy, either ready Kelador or reduce your threat by one. I think I might have actually played him with you guys. Played a trap deck with Kelador um, on Octagon mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago, um, and yeah, I think he was a great addition to uh, to the traps with you know Damrod and friends. Um, he's in the right sphere for it, although traps now bleed a little bit into uh, tactics, um, and he just allows you to keep your threat low, which could be a bit of a problem with the trap decks. It can often have quite a high starting threat. And really, you kind of don't have the means to fight uh, a lot of stuff because you're just trying to trap them. And and because you're having to, you know, pay for traps and pay for the uh, relevant gear and allies that make those traps worth playing and able to play, it kind of puts you in a position where you can't really do a lot else. So it can often struggle with questing and it can struggle keeping its threat low enough that you're just not getting engaged all the time um so he, he's pretty good for both of those things really um you know chipping away at your threat and uh coming in with two quests which is nice um and can whack for free if he needs to which is also good he seems like he's been designed around traps mm-hmm. you don't say ranger and warrior he can take all those nice weapons and he's lower so he can take the leather boots which is nice so he can quest and then attack with his ranged i want to point out that his stats are slightly different than his objective ally version which comes in into athelion he's a two 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 three there so this is a little more useful and more trappy he doesn't have to defend he seems really good nice alternative or a nice way to fill out the Gondor trap deck rather than supplement with the Dunedain. I'm going to go a bit further. I'm going to say this guy's amazing. The more I think about this ability, the better it seems. Because I was just looking at Haldir. He's got the same stats as Haldir first. That's right. Two, three, one, three. I know Haldir's got that great ability. But this guy's got a built-in ready off traps. Mm -hmm. And in most trap decks, you play a trap every single turn. So I reckon this guy's probably going to be questing for two, readying when you need him. Like, if there's an enemy that you want to kill in a trap, then you can ready him and do it with this guy. And if you don't want to kill that enemy, if you want to forest snare it, or 
if it's a range of spikes, you just reduce your threat. But is is abilities like pseudo threat? Sometimes you put a trap out. Like if you put out um, outmatched, it doesn't do anything until an enemy comes out. But it's doing something. So it's basically right. three. It's actually three willpower three. pseudo, and it's not even on enemies. It's on any card. So I I think would this work on say um, uh, a treachery effect? So if a treachery adds threat to the staging area. Would it work on that? Well, you reduce it by one for each unattached trap you control. So yeah. So so, but like, if there's no threat in the staging area, oh. you're like, oh, okay, I'll yeah. just quest for two, and then suddenly this treachery comes out and yeah. makes it three. It would make it two. Let's say if you got one trap, it's passive, so it's always yeah. active. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, so it, it it just seems so good because also it does. It's not enemies. I was thinking because some of those little Gondor Rangers previously, they're like reduce the threat of the next enemy so you use the ability and then you get four locations right. it's really it's annoying controllable it's reliable yeah and he's got range built in so he's great in multiplayer it seems amazing <laughs> yeah i'm gonna do another trap deck now i've sold him to you have i mm-hmm. <laughs> good <laughs> Last guy was solid, but this guy seems really good. And it's Magali art. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Is that the art from the... I think it's the same the art, art, isn't it? The, uh, from the, from the it art. is. It's just zoomed up. Or is it? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Quickly Google. Yeah, Trador. it is. It looks so different. You got a little more color and it's zoomed up. It is, though. How come awesome. they've got um, copyright Middle Earth Entertainment, copyright FFG at the bottom? I don't know. Maybe they just want to cover uh, all the bases, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know how their copyright rules work. Cover the things that go on chairs. <laughs> all right. We can't talk about these too much. So as part of our review, let's uh, quickly mm, go ahead. give them a 1 out of 10 re- star review as we uh, move through them. Oh, okay. We didn't do that for Ingold. I give Ingold 7. Yeah, I'm going to give him seven too. Oh, I was leaning on six, but yeah. mm-hmm. solid though. Like I'm, I'm quite fair of my ten out of tens. I'm not, I'm not like Amazon reviewing this where everything gets <laughs> no matter what. Well, on paper, I'm giving Kelador a nine. Wow. I'll do eight. Yeah, I was going to go eight. Conservative eight. I'm pushing the boat out. All right. You gotta play with me this week and play him, okay? Show me how cool he is. Okay. All right, moving on. Thengel. Here's my 10 out of 10. Thengel's a spirit hero, 11 threat, 3 willpower, 1 attack, 3 defense, 4 hit points. Rohan Noble Warrior with epic art, and he has a response. After an ally is discarded from play, that Allies owner searches the top five cards of the deck for an ally that shares a trait with the discarded ally, puts it into play exhausted, and shuffles his deck limit once per round. So this good. Theoden's dad, I believe. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on here. It's obviously primarily meant for a Rohan deck, which we discovered works quite well now. That deck that Liam played. 
uh, getting a free ally for discarding an ally really uh, sweetens the deal, doesn't it? Mm, makes you actually want to do oh, it. Well. <laughs> Exhausted is a big drawback, though, but not always. Some of the Rohan cards have effects that you can trigger well, they're exhausted still, mm-hmm. or you can ready them with Aomond, right? <laughs> <laughs> so in Rohan, he's awesome. He can be used in other decks, but I don't even really want to. He works so well in Rohan, and it seems like it's weird to have Thangle readying Bayornings, which he's a beef. works pretty good. It's beefcake as well. His stats are solid. Yeah, it's really rare. Uh, stat line, three willpower and three defense. Snowmane works super good on this guy because then you can quest for three and then defend for three. Or even Goofy Rohan uh, or uh, Steed of the Mark where you pay a resource to ready him. He's but, a warrior, um, so he can take all these three detachments. He's Rohan, so he can take all these horses. He put his son's shield on him uh, to put his uh, willpower yep. into his... Oh. Yeah. Golden shield. Yeah. Or the sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then he can do a decent attacker with Herogrin. The only drawback I see in this guy is he's a spirit hero. And if you're playing a deck that has allies in it, you need Theoden to reduce the cost. So you're pretty much blocked into playing two spirit heroes, which I like to play Trisphere. So that cramped my style a couple times. But it forced me to build a little different, and I had a really good time building that deck with Theodred, Theodred, and Thingle. Yeah, and you can still play... A generational deck. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? And then you can also you can also get the other spheres in there anyway for, for the allies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you can just yank them out of your deck and play them for free. If you draw them, it's no good. It's hard to get them back into your deck. But yeah, your deck had a couple tactics and lore allies in it, and it works okay as long as you know what you're doing. It does that response really does make you want to discard an ally from play like you're looking to do it, even if it's not necessarily giving you like too much crazy benefit, mm-hmm. but like it makes you want to do it because it's Christmas time. You never know what you could get. You could get a boat. It's like, there's so many options of what could come out of your deck. Yeah. Um so that it just makes you want to do it. I think it whiffed once. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Late game. Uh, late game whiffed once. Um I do have to say the whole sort of like discarded from play stuff dying, the difference between it. Like I still feel like that, like to me doesn't feel very smooth. Like the difference between them and like when you can do it and stuff like, yeah, and I get not trigger when something is killed, when something is destroyed doesn't work. It has to be mm. discarded from a player card effect or a quest effect, I guess, but discarded yeah. is different from being destroyed. You do have to pack your deck full of those cards that will get rid of themselves. You can't just throw people under the bus and expect another horse to turn up. It's got to be, you know, um, Aemond is a great example. Um, oh, no, he leaves play. Does he? That counts, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, you, you combo him up with someone like Gambling, and then mm-hmm. you just going all day long it's just like yeah this is real nice it feels so good and then the uh, horn of the mark so then you're getting a free ally drawing the card and bringing the ally back to hand which you can play again for minus one cost with Theod in the next turn you just have this sweet loop going it just makes you want to do it every turn look to do it every turn as i yeah. say 
it doesn't even progress you just the ability to do it even like when you're doing it yeah you're just like i'm just gonna do it <laughs> awesome hero uh i would give it a nine out of ten I, there's not a card i'm giving ten out of ten apart from obviously um Milond, but um thing right. is a nine. i'm gonna give him 10 out of 10 just because he's i've had so much fun with him and i've been wanting Rohan to work for so long, and now I found a deck that I really love, and it works. So I just can't resist giving him a high score here. I'll be contrarian and give him an eight. Well, I do feel he deserves a nine, but I just gave a nine. There you go. So I'm giving him an eight. As far as uh, other factions, Sylvan would be interesting because they're always leaving play. You can discard them for different. Uh, that's bringing back to your hand, but it's still uh, that doesn't work, does it? Has to be discarded. So, Bayornians are the main other thing, plus some weird event cards. But Bayornian Thingle sounds stupid, doesn't it? Yeah, it's interesting that they've done it where he's done it where it's like it shares a trait with the ally that's discarded, not a trait with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that opens him up to be able to potentially be in other decks that aren't just Rohan. It's, it's a clever way of doing it. The other cool thing about him is it's not just for the player that controls him. So, a couple times in our game or one time i begged just so i could do something with my stupid deck i discarded an ally and i was able to get a card out of my deck even though you had this guy i don't think that'll be very useful very often but you could build around that and you can help out a struggling lame player like me uh when appropriate makes him a little better and the art is very very cool yeah it is next one Next one. All right, this is me again. It's our fourth and final hero. Four uh, ta- Tactic, yes, yeah, like the old um, overhill and underhill days or something. That's right. <laughs> so this is Herobrand, and he's a tactics hero. Costs eight, two willpower, two attack, one defense, three health. Rohan and warrior. Herobrand gets plus one willpower for each hero you control with at least one restricted attachment. And response, after an enemy in the staging area is destroyed, draw one card. So I've played this guy <laughs> in that game, and he is good. He's solid, and he works really... I mean, it's just obvious he works one of three hunters. It's just obvious. He's going to be questing for probably four, maybe five, turn one. Ideally five, which is really solid. I think you said that they wanted to make a competitor for Eowyn, and I feel like they've done a great job with that because yeah. he is taking that quester slot. But the other thing he's doing is drawing cards with his response and i use that with aomer but there's plenty of um opportunity to use this guy with fast dread that's right uh, not faster sorry doing here doing here on fast dread so i think that probably be a little bit slower that deck with regard to his willpower just because you still use restricted attachments with doing here but you don't use as many as three hunters so well, doing here a 300 deck is very viable. It's awesome oh, too. I I've tried that. Okay. Normally those decks run a you know fair number of questers and um, decent number of events and attachments and stuff. But yeah, if that works, then fine. So um, in my opinion, he was solid. He was a great hero and borderline OP, I might say. But I forgot to trigger his response a lot. So yeah, maybe it's easy. Nice better. to have a moderately threat cost. Uh, tactics hero too. Yeah. yeah. 
Would you actually play him in any deck that isn't a three hunters killing stage scenario stuff deck? You could play well, a cross from that. Kind of makes you want to play a stationary deck. Yeah, maybe if your friend was playing a stationary deck, and you're like, "Oh, I'm just going to profit off of your skills." You know, I'll get some draw from what you're doing. That might be good. Or if there was ever a quest that could kill enemies in the staging area, I don't think there is such a thing yet. But what if a quest effect was doing it? Put this guy straight and get some free draw. I feel like alternative for Mary too. Some people, I've subbed in Mary for Aowen in multiplayer games, which is kind of boring. He doesn't work with any attachments in your deck. This guy would be a good alternative for that too. Alternative to alternative to Aowen. Right, right. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll kick the ball rolling. It's, uh, I'm giving this guy six. I think he's niche. He's like overall, like if he's when he's in his deck, I'm sure he's like a solid eight, maybe even like you know higher. But I'm going to give him six because overall, I think he only fits in one deck. Yep, he is, doesn't fit in a lot of decks, but I think he's flexible enough in that card draw ability coupled with his high willpower in tactics. I'm going to give him a 7.5. It would be 8, except he's so ugly he gets a 7.5. <laughs> Poor guy. I didn't realize we could give half marks. Neither did I. That's changed everything. Yeah, that has changed everything. I'll give him a 7.74. Right. I'd probably go... I think I agree with Liam, but I'm just going to go 7 because I've played him and I really enjoyed him. Um... Maybe, maybe there'll be decks in future where it could broaden his use cases. But, you know, for what he does, he does it really, really well. Card draw and tactics is pretty valuable. Yeah, unlimited in yeah, theory. Right. No, no restriction on it. Yeah. I guess it is a bit harsh, though, because I gave Kelador quite a high score, and you're not going to use him outside of a trap deck, are you? <laughs> <laughs> that was Magali Art. This is totally different. That's true, actually. That's worth a few points for sure. Right, Deeping Bowman. Is that the next one? Have I got that? Is in the right order? Yeah, Deeping Bowman. Um, This is an ally in leadership. He will cost you two of your valuable resources. He'll come into play with one willpower, one attack, zero defense, one hit point. And he's a Rohan warrior. Pretty bad stats, right? He's devoted and ranged. I believe devoted is if all your heroes share his traits, he comes in. One trait. One trait. Uh, oh, share one of his traits. Then you can play him out of sphere or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So does that include the warrior trait as well? So if you've got three warriors, you can play him out of sphere as well. Yep. That's I sweet. think, let me just double check, that you could do it if you had Rohan, Rohan and Warrior. They'll have to have the same, but they have to have... A Each one has to have a match, but let okay. me just check the card. Well, you and continue. I like, and I like that. I think that's cute, and uh, it makes you uh, be able to put in allies out of sphere, um, and just sort of plays into giving you a bit of a benefit for playing a nice themed deck. And I, I like that. I think it's clever. Um, his action, though, you can discard him uh, to choose an enemy until the end of the phase. That enemy does not count its defense whilst determining combat damage. Um, so you can just blank a defense by discarding him, which you know, if pay two to dis uh, pay pay two to discard some uh, to blank someone's defense, if that was like an event, you might not do it. But um, 
the amount of benefits you get from discarding Rohan allies in these specific decks that play around this theme, uh, as we discussed when talking about the heroes, um, is just huge. It, I mean, like I was doing it just for the sake of just getting all the other benefits, even when it was like, oh, actually, we can kill this guy anyway, but I'll still discard him because I want all the other goodies. Um, and don't forget, you do get that one quest as well. Um, and he, he's got range, so you could chip him with a damage, sure. Um, I think I liked him in that deck. I thought I thought he was pretty useful. It was always nice to have a card on the table where the action uh, doesn't require the card to be ready to discard it. And mm-hmm. also, it's a discard on command almost. You can just do it. Push button. Um, yeah, push discard button, trigger all this fun stuff. Um, and it did come into play. The Some of the um, enemies had really high defenses, and there was a number of occasions where discarding him did help us uh, kill an enemy. So his he was he was useful. Um, yeah, that was that's my thoughts on him anyway. I don't have much to add beyond that. He's he's just a decent chud, mm, but that ability is pretty clutch. Yeah, yeah, that's why I call him a chud, really, because you're going to be chumping or you know you're not going to be building him up, are you? Unless you want to have a laugh. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can take uh, Raymond of War. Well, there you go. <laughs> can he take um, ancestral armor? I don't think he can. Can he? He can. You know, leadership. Can he? Oh, his leadership. Of course, he can. Of course, he can. <laughs> yeah. Wellity, wellity, wellity. <laughs> yeah, just, I think I really love him. I love the design. He's two cost for three stats, a little overcosted, which is normal for leadership. Uh, but he has range, so that makes up for that. And then. Uh, being able to quest and then do something cool later is pretty great. I appreciate the wording here. It, it does not count its defense. It's different than reduces the defense to zero. So it, this cannot trigger your straight shot event card, which is probably good because that is a janky card that could be abused. And there's already ways to do that. And this already kind of does that sort of thing without being overpowered. So. I think very well designed, and I appreciate having another decent leadership Rohan ally. I guess because it's um, not counting its defense, it means if they get any shadow cards that buff their defense or anything like that, it would still count against those shadow cards as well, which is nice. Or if there's any like global effects that are giving them all extra defense. Yeah, don't see him outside of a Rohan deck. If I'm being honest, I don't think I don't think you'll pay two to have that action um, if you're not getting all the goodies from discarding him. Um, but in that Rohan deck, um, he was great. Solid. A ranged Seven. character with one attack is very unusual. Yeah, a bit weird, right? <laughs> you almost kind of want to see him zero two zero one or two zero zero one, but yeah. But Rohan is kind of normal to have one one. It's kind of weird, but stats in both places. Yeah, especially when you're aomond in every single turn. Yes, all of those stats. Woo. I'd give this guy a solid 7 out of 10. I'll go for 7. Yeah, I think... Uh, that last hero... Well, no, that last hero is only a 7. So it's like, oh, this guy's 7? But I'll agree. Agree with it. All right. I got open the gates, right? It not happened to us, though, did it? No, nope, we defended them. <laughs> Defended them hard. 
at the end, the king rode forth. True. Open the gates. One cost leadership event. Action. Search the top five cards of your deck for an ally that shares a trait with each of your heroes and puts it into play. Shuffle your deck at the end of the phase. If the ally did not leave play, add it to your hand. So this is a mustering card, but kind of a weird one. It's good for Rohan or Gondor. It helps you find a specific ally that might be key. Um, but it kind of plays into this uh, faction deck where you're all... But it doesn't have to be the same trait, so it could be just like the devoted keyword. It can be if everybody is either Rohan or Warrior, it could... If it had both those traits, it would work. Um, doesn't rock my world, but it's a nice little card. Um, this is another way to get Aemond in, I'd just like to point out. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Did that change things? Ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> world has been bumped a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you know, you can do Aemond any phase then. In theory, it's like another sort of way of getting him out and getting him into your hand. You could right. do you multiple aimments. Yep. <laughs> you could have, you could, you could have your aimment. Yeah, you could sneak attack one in. And then you could also get one killed by archery and then open the gates immediately afterwards to pull the second aimment that's in the top five cards of your deck. And then sneak attack him in after he gets killed in a defense. There's a, there's a lot of aimments there. You can just keep shouting like surprise and bazinga every time you do it. <laughs> uh, I noticed that you guys didn't put this card in. The yeah, well, time, I, I totally missed it. I mean, I, I haven't seen some of these cards before. And I wonder if we would have and possibly should have. I mean, it's not as if we needed it. Because we still won. A card like this lets you reduce the number of some of these allies you play like gambling uh, you put three of those guys in there it's nice to have but you really don't want to see a, another one same thing for aomond although we decided three was worth it anyway <laughs> sacrilege <laughs> uh Hama, all these unique guys this helps you run less of them and still be reliable but then you're just filling it with this card that costs money anyway so i don't know it's interesting. You that... Search five cards is good, really. Yeah, and it's interesting because you get you get to search. So it does cost you money. That is definitely something. But for that, you get to pick a specific ally, hopefully, um, and you get to use that bounce ability. That, that sort of like discard. Is it discarded from play? Do you still get to get all your triggers from that? I assume you do, right? It doesn't discard. It just brings it back to add it to uh, your hand. So you don't get to do all those triggers because uh, it would be in your discard pile if it did, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. That's a shame. So three, going three out of ten. If going a different direction, if you play in your Grey Wander Earth Saruman deck, you can use this to put Gandalf into play. Wow. Or Radagast. Yeah, each of you, yeah. You think that being leadership limits it quite a lot? Because I'm trying to think what... I was thinking eagles is like one where you want traits that are all the same, but you don't have enough eagle heroes to actually do that sort of thing. Outlands, like there, are, there aren't yeah. three Outlands heroes, but you could do what you just said, Grey Wanderer, and yeah, you could do that with Eagles too. It's probably one of those cards you need to play a little bit, think outside the box to see is it worth it or not. 
Yeah, it's not really good for Sylvan, not good for Eagles. So Gondor, Rohan are probably the primary targets, which the art hints at. And then Hobbits would work if you're doing your uh, Hobbit Swarm, which is sort of viable. You have a lot of the other factions, you just don't have heroes that are necessarily going to all line up as far as traits. Five. Yeah, I feel like five too, just because not sure. Four. Fair. Only it's probably it, amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, <laughs> we're, we're giving we're giving less five or less than to a card that allows you to like search the top five cards and pull a hero, pull, pull an ally. So I think it's so. good. It's not flashy. <laughs> yeah, and and each of your heroes limits like a lot of the bomb allies you'd want to get out, like Bayon. Mm-hmm. Is, you can't do that with this. Actually, you could because he's well, a player, yeah. I believe. Oh, yeah, I'm that's guessing. right. That's right. He is. I looked just now when we were talking about that card. Yeah. Yeah, see, but... see, I'm I'm thinking like, oh, it's not... But then actually, every time I say something, you point out, well, you can do that, so it's getting better. I'll give it 5.01. Ooh. Because <laughs> that 0.1 puts it more towards the, the good end. It's better than you average. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely better than average when you look at all the cards in the game, right? <laughs> Moving on. Next, yeah, it's me, isn't it? Uh, so I was looking at this card in advance, and I'm not sure how much there will be to say about it <laughs> until we get to later cards, but it's a um, leadership event again called Wealth of Adventure, costs one, and it's very simple. Action, search your deck for a card with the skill trait and add it to your hand. Shuffle your deck. Now, when I was looking at this, I was desperately trying to think... What are cars with a skill trait? And um, there are some, was well, one in this box. To be honest, there's not a great number of cars with the skill trait. And some of them are bad. So the ones that are bad are those ones from um, the Harad cycle, which were all about gaining the noble trait or the ranger trait. So... I'm guessing you're probably not going to run this card to find one of them, unless you're Derpy doing something Ranger. super, super janky, like some weird combo deck, maybe. One card that is a bit interesting is Fast Hitch. That's a skill. I didn't know that. There are times when you really want a Fast Hitch on a Hobbit, so maybe there. I think Visionary Leadership is my favorite target. Am I not seeing all that? Aha, yes, I see. Yeah, I see it. I've got them organized by sphere. It's yeah, sphere well, it makes, makes sense. Yeah, because it's leadership. So I'm counting these. There's four, eight, 11 cards currently with the skill trait. So not a huge number to pick from. So I feel a little bit unsure. What do you think? It makes a bad card a little better, but it fills your deck full of little better bad cards. So yeah. Very niche. Three out of ten. <laughs> Not even a review, just a number. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good that you know they bring out some new cards that give some new abilities. Good to have a card a that can search your skill trait. Yeah, it's a patch. It's a patch, but I mean, I think that's probably. I don't want to give any of these fan made cards low numbers. But I'm going to yeah, give it a four. I, I think like you can't. It would be. It would probably be very 
bad if we went through all of these cards and every single card was ten. Yeah, of course. Nine and ten. It would be like you, you'd really question the value of these fan made cards if they were all amazing. And this is, as you guys said, like a patch. And if you want to use that patch, it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty useful. But yep. um, I personally will never use this card. I just know that I'll never use this card. So yeah, as I say, three, three for me. But it's a personal opinion. Mm. Three. I'll tell you what. I see Gandalf and his pretty horse. Uh, I'll give it three point <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a three two, a three as well. All right, um, I'll, I'll, I'll lower it to three. Deck, that's pretty awesome. But either going to put several skills in your deck, and then use this to fetch whichever one you want, or you might as well just put three of the skill you want. Or this could be the fourth, fifth, and sixth copy of that one skill. But who wants to devote? Six cards to one card. That guy who was at Con of the Rings with the pipe deck will make some broken deck with this that like lowers all your threat to one and cancels every card. Smoke ring should be a skill. <laughs> Speaking from experience, that is a skill. I can't That's do right. it. I've tried it. Yeah, can you do it? No? Uh-uh. Moving on. Yeah, are you guys, sure. are you guys talking about smoke rings then? Yes, can you do them? Uh, accidentally, sometimes, <laughs> and then I never, it's never worked out. Why? Have you ever had it as well? Like I always think the same way. Have you ever had it where a little bit of spit will come out of your mouth, like like a snake, like a viper, like shoot, it shoots out of your mouth, like it, like a gland or something. That is also a skill that I would like to have, but it only accidentally happens once every couple of years. <laughs> On my own, no one else has done. <laughs> You never, never smoke. A great segue though, because Feast of Plenty is our next card, and uh, we've got uh, Gandalf blowing smoke rings there. So that's right. <laughs> um, this is a leadership event. Costs four, four. <laughs> That'd be good. Feast of Plenty's resource cost must be paid from a single hero's resource pool. What action? Ready up to three heroes and add one resource to each of their resource pools. Okay. Only one copy of Feast of Plenty can be played by the players each round. So that you can ready other players' heroes as well. Um, okay. That's a, mm, this is a confusing card. It's going to lose a point for that Lollapalooza artwork, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, but, so you pay for, and you get to ready three heroes and effectively get three of your resources back. But you have to have four resources on one hero. I mean, I guess if you've got, like, you know, Steward of Gondor on a hero, that's probably not totally unreasonable if you're saving for it. Um, oh, God, I don't know. I can't work it out. I'm going to say it's terrible because I don't have the brain power to work out if it's good or bad. So <laughs> I, I always just go terrible if that's the case. Really bad card. Tell me how it's broken in the best card in this pack. This is a solve for your conscience when you play Steward of Gondor in a multiplayer game. Ah, okay. <laughs> I see. Put four of these in just so you're not that guy which is just, yeah, exactly. who just manages to play Steward first. You know when someone really just says into me, oh, I'll take first player turn. I think this is good. I like it. It's pretty much for the player who has Steward of Gondor. It has to be leadership, has to be all from one hero, so that's pretty much going to be the guy who's playing Steward. The other place I see it is in a Hobbit deck, if you have some Resourcefuls around, or the Book of Red Book, you get extra resources, so you 
very well might get excess resources on them, which is thematic for the art here. But I think it's a great deal. Three readies for one resource, basically, provided you can meet the criteria. It's very strong. This is cool that you can give other people your Steward of Gondor resources, as you said. That is a problem in a lot of multiplayer games. I wonder if this is a good card if you're building two decks to work together. So I'm thinking of situations where you've done things like um, Peace and Thought and you've got some heroes exhausted. You've just drawn a ton of cards that your partner deck can play this on you and then ready up all your guys and give you a load of money. And it's just action. So it's no... That's what I was thinking. Like, would you want to do this in the planning phase if you haven't exhausted anybody yet? It seems a bit of a waste. Right. But if you do it later on, then... You're not doing anything with the money. Yeah, but you're not doing anything with the money that round. So Mm -hmm. maybe that, maybe, yeah, so that feels a bit weird, but maybe the flexibility is good. It can be played turn one if you've got Denethor and uh, that uh, exhausty event that I've forgotten the name of. Maybe something there, janky. Yeah, and knowing Seastan and what he comes up with, like Seastan comes up with some crazy decks, and so you could easily see this being abused in some way. Maybe this is a card he's always wanted. (laughs) Um, Trifair decks as well gives you a bit of resource smoothing if you've got your steward on someone that's just building up tons and tons of resources, and then you know it's nice to get the resources out to some other colors. Um, I'm going to give this a solid one out of ten. It's too confusing for me. I don't get it. And I like involves, it, but I'm not, Oh, sorry. Actually, I'm going to reduce that slightly. Zero, <laughs> 0. 0.5 out of 10, because it also involves the potential to share with other people. And I really don't like doing that. I don't like doing that at all. I think the metagame of who can play Steward first is is uh, one of my favorite things about Lord of the Rings. So, um, but this combos with parting gifts. Oh, you actually, you, maybe I'm giving it more, because you can also troll people. And <laughs> you can basically make out that you're going to do it but just give yourself basically pay one to give yourself three resources that's pretty troll um yeah maybe i'll give it yeah maybe it's a solid eight actually i changed my mind eight eight point five because you control people (laughs) i don't think yeah i think this is a patch card for steward of gondor i'll give it five i'm going five two Mainly because I need to see what it can do. I think it's good. I just don't think I'm going to actually put it in my deck very often. I I was a little bit tempted to go four because that bloke in the middle of the card is so weird. (laughs) He's got no eyes. And I can imagine him having like a vicar's hair where he's got a bald patch on the back of that (laughs) bowl cut. That's that's the style that they used to have, like bowl cut. And then there's a big, big bald patch on the top of it. On sure. I wonder yeah. who's dropping all the plates if he's got no eyes. <laughs> it's like a strange? marionette or something. It looks like a puppet, like uh, you know, like it's oh, kind of weird. Like he's on strings or something. Right, moving on. Yes, Deeping Defender. We have another Rohan ally. He's a two-cost lore ally with zero willpower, zero attack, three defense two hit points and he has that devoted trait again but he only has one trait rohan so you have to you only can trigger that off of a all rohan hero deck his response after deeping defender defends an attack return the attacking enemy to the staging area and deal it one damage i like this guy he's nice to throw in a 
spirit tactics deck or spirit tactics leadership deck even though he's lore uh three defense is just nice there's only one other rohan ally with that and we want to know who that is that's right your favorite warden of helm's deep it's kind of funny he's the deeping defender so he's supposed to guard helm's deep but his damage effect will not hit any of the urukai because they have tough um but his obvious use is throwing enemies back to the staging area for either Aomer or uh, Spirit Spear Guy. What's his name? To kill. Corset, help me out. Doing hair? Doing hair, yeah. He not, he's not warrior, so you can't put many attachments on him. So he's not going to last forever. He seems balanced, but two cost cards are always nice. Nice middle-of-the-road guy that helps out with some of the themes that Rohan is already working with, so I like it. I think you've covered that very succinctly. I like him. The only thing, he, he doesn't have like a, a leave-play thing going on, so you are using him purely as a two-cost defender which is with free defense, which is nice. Uh, it's a decent amount of defense for a two-cost defender. Um, yeah, it's, it's a solid card. Uh, I think there was a bunch of them in the deck that I played, and... Uh, and I think I used them a few times. Uh, I think it's a bit, it's a bit tricky, though, because Rohan can have the potential for some very good defending heroes, like real beefy boys. So this guy is nice because he can take on some of the other defenses if you've got multiple defenses going on. Um, but he is sometimes just sat there doing nothing because he can't mm-hmm. quest. Um, and if you've got the defense dialed uh, through other means, then maybe he's not doing anything. But I appreciate no Yeah, no sentinel. Um, so I appreciate his presence on the table because of, of his low cost. Um, but I did find myself, like, I think I had two out at one point, and I don't think I used them very much at all. If you have a good defender on the table, like Urkin Brand with a Destrier on it, you can knock off a shadow card, then defend, knowing you'll survive with this guy, and then potentially use that Urkin Brand with his two attack to actually attack during the that phase. But yeah, you're right. If he doesn't defend, he does nothing. And sometimes you don't need an extra defense, so his value can just be nothing for a couple turns. I don't really have much to add beyond what you guys have said. I, I like the fact that he's got the built-in spear in a Rohan ally, Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> which is true. really cool. Yeah, the Spear of the Citadel, basically, kind of. Could kill the guy, couldn't it? Yeah. After he it. defends him, return it and kill it. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty good. I feel like he's better than that leadership dude. He doesn't have any attack which is a little worse but he has that three two and he costs one less i think he's and the mm. leadership guy has sentinel which is nice but he has no other ability i like this guy more yeah i think i like this guy more especially the devoted he has two cost but if you can pay with that with any of your resources that makes him cheaper so devoted you need to have all rohan is that right yeah, I've forgotten what. It, yeah, okay. I was going to say you might see some play outside of Rohan decks, but maybe mm. not. But the, just the fact that he's a two-cost Lord Defender with three defenses, I could see some people dropping him in. Yeah, I could put this guy in a Lord deck just for his low cost and good stats. 
Yeah, I don't think that devoted thing is like make or break. I think it's just a nice little extra bonus. Six. I think six is fair. I was leaning towards seven, but actually I think I'll go six because I think he's one of those guys that are just like solid. It's nice to have him in your deck, but he's not going to set the world alight. Um, and he's not going to like play into some of the big combos that you're trying to do. But having a 3-2 defender for two cost, just, yeah, solid six. Yeah, I agree. Defender agree. of Ramos or keeping defender? Um, I like to roll my R's, so Ramas. Ramas got that one defense, but he's always at risk from those shadow effects. Yeah. He can take attachments, though. I like that. But if you're still yeah. an ally swarm, this guy... Uh... This dude is not a warrior, is he? So, does, Ramos have, does Ramos have Sentinel? No. Moving on, here's your girl, Liam. Yeah, but this is me to read it out, isn't it? All right, so it's Morwen Steel Sheen. The lore ally costs four, two or power, zero attack, two defense, two health. Rohan, Gondor, Noble. And two abilities. Action. Put Mormon Steel Sheen into play from your hand. Then discard a Rohan or Gondor, Gondor ally Sorry, you control. Response. After a Rohan or Gondor ally leaves play, exhaust Mormon Steel Sheen to either heal two damage from a character or reduce your threat by one. Now, I feel the least qualified to speak about this card. On paper, though, any four-cost ally that can be put into play for free at the cost of probably a one-cost ally, is bonkers. Uh-huh. Is that right, or, or what? Yeah. Is she good? She's good. I think she's amazing on paper. When I read this card, and when I got her into play, I was like, oh, this is going to be like the cornerstone of a lot of my turns. will be like trying to do stuff with her. Um, I I really appreciated the fact that she could reduce my threat there was that's what i tended to use her more for i didn't worry about the healing although the healing would was nice at times i think um when you guys get beaten up a little bit especially if you take a few early defenses before you're set up with heroes and they have to take a big hit um it's nice to sort of heal it back off for them but the the threat reduction was really tasty like having that on tap every turn there was a period where i was well into the sort of mid to late 40s and she basically just kept me in the game um but i just found it like and questing for two nearly the whole time but i genuinely found it like i don't know i in practice i didn't think she was as good as i thought she was going to be but i feel like maybe that was me not taking advantage of her as well as i should have you had so many other cool things go on in your deck yeah, I guess it was the Aemon thing that was probably overshadowing <laughs> her a little bit, right? <laughs> In your experience, Joe, is she as uh, strong on the table as uh, as she reads? So many things like about her. I think she's balanced because you either have to quest or leave her up for that response. And often I just quested with her because I needed the willpower or wanted greedily wanted the willpower. But there's several layers here. You get her for cheap, because you can just knock out an ally to bring her in, which knocking out an ally can be good. You can trigger all your stuff. Well, it is, it is, it is, just, 
discard an ally, right? So that does trigger yeah. your things. It's not them mm-hmm. dying, isn't it? So it's, a, it's yeah. a good way of actually forcing that trigger. And just action, so you can do it anytime. So it's like push button trigger for all your abilities, even when it's in your hand, which is nice. And then it combos with Rohan and Gondor, and that's lore is really cool here because she is a Gondor lady who married Thingol, Theoden's, she's Theoden's mom, which kind of helped bind that alliance between the two kingdoms. So she works good in the Gondor deck because you can chump quite a bit with those lame Gondor hero allies, those squires of the Citadel. They can just get chumped and then she can do something awesome. Or you can just send the squire packing and put her into play for free. And then you can use her to keep that uh, Valor deck right at 40 or 45 or whatever you want. And it's healing out of sphere for Rohan. Mm. Rohan needs healing. So this is, it's not optimal use. Maybe the two willpower is nice. The threat reduction is nice, but healing two damage almost every turn off your defender is awesome. And since you can put her into play without the sphere match, you can put it in any Rohan ally deck. I'm very excited about this card. <laughs> and she looks absolutely badass as well. And she does. The healing is just awesome in Rohan, isn't it? There's another yeah. uh, patch mm-hmm. or gap being filled. I think I want to play again without having to concentrate so much on on a, um, um, on uh, Aemon turns and just sort of see her really shine. Um I, I I really want to absolutely love this card and I'm so close to loving it. I think like another couple of games will just really set her off for me. She's not always gonna be useful. Sometimes you'll need healing and sometimes your thread is fine. There's a quest with her. So sometimes she's boring. But all the possibilities, all the decisions you get to make with her make her really exciting to me. Yeah. And and just the action triggering all your fun as well is great. And you control people by blocking with her and having her die, and they're like, what are you doing? And then you've just got another one in your hand to trigger all of that fun stuff again. Stressing me out. (laughs) 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 I'm going to give her a nine, but um, yeah, I'm going to give her a nine. Highest card that I've rated this this go, I think. I'm going to go eight just to be conservative, but I really like her. I'll do eight as well. And um, I didn't um, realize the uh, all of the law background as well. It's really clever. Yeah, and I like her stats as well. They're tight. I mean, the two defense is a bit pointless, but like, do you know what I mean? She's not trying to do too much stuff. It's like that two quest is really important, um, or you do her response. It's kind of like that's the decision, isn't it? Yeah. But you have two decisions as far as her response to the damage or the threat reduction. So. Three different things to do with her every turn, basically. Possibilities. Really great card. So, next one. On to the next one. It should be spared. This is an event for lore and it costs zero. And its response is after a trap card you control attaches to an enemy, return it to your hand, then play it from your hand for no cost. After a trap card you control attaches to an enemy, return it to your hand. Then play it from your hand for no cost. Oh, so if you've trapped the wrong enemy, uh, that's mm-hmm. quite clever. Oh, that's quite cool. I like this card. This card's really sweet. Again, another little patch. 
Um, but there is nothing more annoying than tracking the wrong thing. <laughs> like, and it happens fairly, like, like quite often, like the traps are like generic enough where you're just like, ah, oh, whatever falls in it, falls in it. Like, it's fine. Um, but there are some specific enemies that you want specific traps on. Um, and the way that you, uh, and it's just so random whether or not that works. Um, this is just a really nice way to, to help that out. Um, really good card. I think the trap decks are pretty tight for cards now, though, so it might be quite tricky to get three copies of this in, um, and it won't always be useful. Um, but for a zero cost, just to sort of carry it on, yeah, I like this card. I do. I really like it. Space is an issue in trap decks, but the cool thing is if you're running Dam Rod, which you probably are in a trap deck to reduce that cost. You'll get to draw a card, so this is kind of an invisible card in your deck in hand, assuming you want the ability. So if you trap attaches, you draw a card with Dan Ron, you play this, you take it off, and then you play the trap again and draw another card, basically replacing it should be spared in your oh. hand. So and it's kind of an Sorry, just a quick question. Would then if you're playing multiplayer and then another encounter card comes in, it's another enemy and it gets trapped, would you then draw again? Yeah. Wow, that's really good. You can also trigger Kelador. That's, that's right. Each of his abilities once. <laughs> yeah. Ready so him and thought, and then play your uh, four snare, trap the dude, and then take it off with this, and then trap the same dude again just to draw more cards and ready Kelador. Blink, blink. That's I do. Really I do feel like <laughs> I just want to say, don't <laughs> just don't trap the wrong enemy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't trap the wrong enemy and don't play this. But I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, but the trap yeah, deck is so random, though. I know. Really yeah, weird. I know. You put out your range of spikes, and a chud goes in it. You're like, ah. Yeah. Well, you put out that one guy with zero. Yeah, I suppose it will be a little bit annoying if there's no other target for it, though. So I sort of feel perhaps is the more players the better for this one. Yeah. Hmm. Again, again, another patchy type card, isn't it? This is uh, the theme is patches. You guys are right. Um, this is a really good card, though, and I would give it a solid six point five. Um, so specific and kind of little effect, but good. So I'm gonna give it a five. Average, but I like it. It's clever. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going to give it a five. I, I understand what it does, which is better than that leadership card. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. And we got another trap. Spring the yeah. trap. This is mine, right? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, spring the tap, trap, two cost, lower event, skill. Now we have a target. Response. After a trap card you control attaches to an enemy, put a ranger into play from your hand. Uh, it's two costs, so it's considerable, but there are some good targets for it, namely Laura Faramir, who combos really well with this. You get a four-cost ally for free, well, for two, and you could basically destroy the enemy by dumping four damage on it. You also could play Mablung. Well, he wouldn't be a discount, but you could play him at a weird time and pull the enemy down, or you could stick him back in the staging area during the engagement phase, which is probably not very useful. There's not a lot of rangers that are... Well, I guess there's Ranger Cardalon is good. Both Farmers are good. 
Who's the guy that um, brings traps out of your discard pile by exhausting? Oh, yeah, Ang. Ang. Anborn, yeah. Anborn. Anborn. That's a really How good target. He? He's four. Yeah, he's quite pricey, isn't he? Caleb Grace could be put in with his. Three out of ten. Three, wow. I just think it's too... The trap deck's too tight on... Yeah on room to do something like this and then you've got to have the ranger card in your hand as well and you've got to have the two resources which can be quite hard to come by in, in the trap decks like m- money is hard which is what this card's trying to fix like those really expensive allies are really hard to play in trap decks um but have quite useful of effects um i get that that's what it's trying to trying to sort out but you know i feel like you probably spend your two resources before anyway and you got to have that ranger in your hand. you got to have the right ranger in your hand. Then the trap has to ping off. Then you have to have the money to play this card. I just think there's too much going on here, and the deck's too tight to like mess around with having to smooth out that combo by having lots of copies of this. Um, and then it's a dead card a lot of the time anyway. So, yeah, I, I, I get what it's doing, and I appreciate it. Um, I, I don't see it fitting in the trap decks that I've got, um, just in, purely in terms of room. So um, three out of ten. Other good targets, Athalian is the one I mentioned, and then Yazan is a five-cost ranger. You can put him into play for free, Vigilant Dunedain. The other cool thing is you can put it in out of sphere. So if you have mono lore deck, you can still put in uh, Yazan or even Spirit Damrod. Or the Warden of Anuminas could come into play. That'd be pretty cool. But I think Farmy and Anborn are the best, and I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's great. I think card draw isn't an issue for trap decks. You have a lot of cards in your hand, but just not enough money. This can give you basically two resources for something you're already doing at the cost of just a card, which is easy for these decks. Ah, uh, you put me in the position of having the decide and vote. <laughs> I. I'm going to side with Liam hmm. simply because it costs two. And um, I'm not sure about that. And that's it. That's my analysis. That's fair. <laughs> well, you said it also. I've got nothing to add. You can see some pro plays, some janky plays. That would be cool. But two cost law events are always tough to swallow. I see it as a discount for a four cost ally, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If you built your deck around that guy, run that. It is also a skill. And this is the the card I noticed when I was looking at the previous one about skills. I was thinking, okay, you search for this, but. Leadership lore doesn't really happen now. <sighs> also, would you search for this? Not for traps. Exactly. The six card slots mm, to save two happen. resources. You might as well just run Stuart. Well, yeah. There you go. So it's even worse. Someone with math skills can figure out it's even worse than what I'm claiming. <laughs> so the, the, the next card is me. However, we have reviewed this little guy before, so should this be a super fast review? Sure. All right. We've Squire used of... her since, so... <laughs> Squire of so the Mark. One cost, spirit ally. No willpower. One attack. No defense. One health. Rohan, servant. Response. After a Rohan ally you control is discarded from play, add Squire of the Mark to the victory display to put that ally into play exhausted. Combos really well with Morwen. Combos really well with all the other stuff that is coming out for Rohan to do in this box, so 
not much more to say than it's all right. <laughs> yeah, very strong ability, balanced by no willpower, one attack, one hit point is pretty lame. Servant trait, that's pretty unique. That helps you get to your uh, uh, free people's number. <laughs> but just the ability to reuse ally immediately. Um, that, didn't you use this, Liam, with that Steed of yeah. the Mark? Two of these, two of the of them. Uh, yeah, two of these and two of the ally that make ready heroes. Right at the very end of that. Horsebreaker. That's it. Allowed us to kill an awful lot of baddies. Yeah. Um, that was pretty bonkers. Uh, but, but I have to say, I wish she had one willpower, not one attack, because, like, why, for a start? She's got two tiny little daggers. But it <laughs> meant that she was just, like, sat there as, like, insurance. But, yeah, you can trigger, like, more win and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's really good for things like that as well. And she's only one cost, so it's not like the end of the world or anything. But she was pretty useless up until that bomb, bomb, bomb turn where she absolutely was her weight in gold but i don't think many quests at the end you're going to need to ready four times <laughs> for to try and to try and fight off 11 massive orcs so um it was definitely needed and very much appreciated in that quest but a bit more of a but i think less useful if you, if you just win in anyway i've used her to recycle hama as well you discard him after he defends twice or five and then you can put him back in the play for two cost so there's other uses, but yeah, I think she's well balanced. Her ability is strong, but her stats are crummy, so it works for me. Hmm. Yeah, solid. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe six. Yeah, maybe you go for six. Just because of that hilarious turn we had with those, worth it just for that. And you can play for free with Theoden. Yeah, him, her. I'm not sure. I think it's a her. I'll go with that too. It's a six, and it's a her. All right. Liam. Okay, we've got, we've got a man doing some squats. <laughs> you sure that's what he's doing? Yeah, it's either that or he's, uh, he's a bit scared in this battle. <laughs> well, if you look at his facial expression, it could also be a third thing as well. <laughs> Spicy curry on the night of the battle. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely getting, seeing that many orcs uh, coming up. <laughs> he's a bit like, huh. I think we and can that, almost make a pooper deck now <laughs> yeah. it's there he's part of the poop deck um and he can roll his eyes well ramus look out uh he's a spirit ally costing you two resources and his stats are flat ones one willpower one attack one defense and one hit point this boy is a gondor scout and he is devoted to his job um or yeah, something else. Uh, while each hero you control has at least one resource in its resource pool, Ramus Lookout gains one willpower and does not exhaust to quest. Sure. I don't know about this resource in resource pool, but it is in Gondor. They're rich. So, yeah. And he only gets plus one, so he basically quested two, and then you just chud him, I guess, and let him die. Um, to a big attack, or he adds one attack to your attacks. Not super, super sold, if I'm honest, but um, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, he's all right. I mean, for two, really, you want to be getting that ability. 
because one 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 is bad for someone who's exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, he's all right. I mean, I just, I just don't have anything positive to say other than that. Like, what do you think? Am I just not seeing it? There's a couple of little weird attachments that go on scouts that you have to exhaust to use. So he brings those to the forefront a little bit. Mariner's Compass is the biggest one. I like that card. Uh, that one, the beginning of the travel phase, exhaust the compass and the character to search the top five cards in the counter deck for location. Switch that location with a location in the staging area. Shuffle the counter deck. And then there's the Gray Cloak, which was horrible, but it also takes exhausting a, a scout character. Uh, technically, you could get more willpower out of him with Boromir and Visionary Leadership and Devoted Spirit's not really Gondor strong suit, so that makes it more flexible. But yeah, uh, he's a scout, so he's not going to be too fun. <laughs> so they've done a good job designing consistent crummy scouts. Three. Or four, because he can have a compass. I like the idea of what you're saying. He uses exhaust not for his crummy one attack or to push him under an orc, but to do something else, which is a nice idea. Three. I like the fact there's another spirit Gondor ally, because we were seeing a few of those in the official cards. So good to see that. So I'm going to probably go three and a half. <laughs> Bold. Actually, I'm going to drop it down to a number two because that's, like, that's what Ooh, he's ouch. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was getting ready to make a moan pooping gag, but you knocked it out of the park there with that one. So. <laughs> he's got a big straw for afterwards. <laughs> I'll try and figure out. What's in between his legs? What is that grey <laughs> yeah, shadowy? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. No. <laughs> That's what he's sat on. Is he's this guy's, you know, he's been a lookout for a long time. He's got some big kahunas. <laughs> he sees what he's seeing. <laughs> oh, my. oh my. You're editing this half, don't worry, Jay. You can just whip all this out. I got eight, we got eight more cards. It's time to get moving. Sorry. Whoa, eight more cards. So many. Really? Wow. Yeah, big box. It's you, Joseph. All right. Theodwin, another Rohan ally. Three-cost spirit ally. I think this is Theoden's daughter, or maybe it's his sister. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Anyway, three-cost, two willpower, one attack, zero defense, two hit points. So nice stats for ally. Rohan Noble. Response after Theoden enters, enters play, either draw a card or... Add one resource to a noble hero's resource pool. So, kind of noble stuff. If you're using Theoden, she costs two and she gets your resource back. So she costs one. Or she draws you a card, which is really good for Rohan as well. Um, I don't think you need to build a deck around her. But she's solid. She's helpful. And she's two willpower, potentially cheap. And she's flexible. So, I'm not flashy, but I like it. I really, really like her um, a lot. Um, she was one that I reoccurred a lot at the start of the game. That draw a card or add a resource early days 
really tasty. Uh, get her down, questing for two. Um, and actually, you're not really paying three for her very often. Normally, it's two, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely think she's a really sweet card. Also, it's interplay, not play from your hand. So Thingle can trigger her. Uh, very good tail can trigger her. Sneak attack, whatever you want to do. Aldara. That's right. Another good ally for that deck. Not that it needs it, really, but still. Sister of Theoden. Super solid. She was married to Aomond. Wow. Her son was Aomer. Her son's Aomer, no way. And her daughter Aowyn. So, yeah, this is. We got the whole family now. Yeah, that's cute. They're all warriors stuff. as well. Yeah, like, it's not a family you want to get on the wrong side of, is it? If you're if you're living next to them, you're not going to be like complaining about where their fence is encroaching on your land or anything. <laughs> their horses are really loud. Okay, I would give this card. I like. I really like. I really like this card. I'd, I'd give it an eight. I was seven. Right, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going seven. I'm going seven. It's too expensive for other decks. Yeah, it's pretty much Rohan only. And now we've got the suicidal horse. Who's up for that one? Is that my turn? Yeah, uh, it is. Light-footed steed, spirit attachment, <laughs> one cost. The reason it's suicidal is because in the art, the horse appears to be jumping off a cliff. <laughs> or running off a cliff there's a stone no and he's galloping over that stone okay attached to a Rohan hero restricted and it's a mount by the way response after a character you control leaves play exhaust light footed steed to ready attached hero then if the character that left play was unique attached hero gets plus one attack until the end of the round it's more Aemer fodder not Aemer sorry Aemond Aemond right. fodder so yeah, it's restricted, so it's good in three hunters. Eh. No, nah, it's not. Character you control is play, so it's bad. It's very bad in three hunters. Um, well, I mean, it could be good in three hunters if you just want a restricted attachment. <laughs> there is that. It's free. It won't do anything, but it's free. It gives you one willpower. I mean, you're probably better qualified... You're you're getting all the cards. I'm I'm reading the cards that you're best qualified to talk about because you're the Rohan guy. Uh, my Rohan decks I've been playing recently. I'm just loath to give up the ally slots to put something like this in. But both Thingle and Theoden are quite have uh, stats for both the combat and the quest phase, so it's useful. It only costs one. So I probably wouldn't put more than one in, maybe one of this and one of uh, Snowmane, but maybe more. It's not bad, but it just kind of dilutes the main thrust of that ally swarm deck. Works right in mount decks, though, doesn't it? Yep. Only Rohan. Simple. Mm. No, I... Five. Yeah, I think it's good enough to give it five, but it's not good enough to make me really want to dilute my deck that much to put full three copies in. I'll go for 4.5. Yeah, I'm going to go something like that. I'll probably go four. Well, we have our next next rolling R. Sweet. 
Ramas Sentry. So Ram, <laughs> Ramas, is Ramas a place or a group of people? It's the plain around Gondor where like the farms and okay. houses and then there was a wall. The Ramas, they called it. Well, the Pelennor is the plain. The Ramas is this outer wall. Where all the outlands live, maybe. Closes. The outlands are further out than that. Ooh. Past the Ramas. Okay. Well, he, this guy is an ally, and he's a um, tactics ally. He's coming in at two cost. He's got zero willpower. He's got two attack, one defense, one hit point. He is devoted as well. And while each hero you control has at least one resource, so it's this again, um, in its resource pool, Ramas Sentry gains response, cancel one point of damage just dealt to a Gondor character, limit once per phase. So really playing into this like Gondor holding money idea, um, which has been sort of slightly touched upon with earlier cards, like, um, but it's nice to see quite a few cards now playing into it, I guess. Um, I guess sort of similar comments to the last one, uh, but sort of specifically talking about his response. I guess two for two attack. It's not not too bad, I guess. Um, Cancelling damage is always nice. Um, they're very useful. Um, and they get used most turns, to be honest, when you've got... Who's that guy that can just straight up cancel damage? He's got a Valor one as well, Valor response. Honor guard. Honor guard, yeah. So whenever you've got honor guard in play, like you do use him a fair amount. Like he gets his he gets his use out. There's a reason why he's in a lot of decks. Um one point and always having to have money. There's quite a few more caveats to getting this guy to do his job. Um I guess they just want to get paid, and that's fair enough. Fair wage for a fair job. So sure. <laughs> I see him as another out of sphere option for healing, basically. So you can get this guy in your mono gone your uh, mono leadership deck, and stop some of that damage coming down. It's a Gondor character, so it's not just a hero. It could be your healer, in fact, or probably not. But or it could be your poor Ramos, uh, defender of Ramos, is about to die from a shadow effect. Also, it's awesome. He doesn't have to exhaust. He's just a response limit once per phase. So he's even more efficient than the honor guard, assuming you have those resources to spare. I love him. I could see him saving Defender of Ramas. Exactly. <laughs> Art's good, too. Looks like he has that uh, keep from the uh, Deserty Quest Black Serpent. There's that location. Looks like that. Oh. Tower. That awful location, mm -hmm. the Serpent's Redoubt. It, I remember right. it so well, it was burned into my mind. Because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's so horrible. <laughs> I say a seven. Yeah, he's a nice little chud. Nice in Hyogon decks. That too. I'm going to go seven as well. Mm, no, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm gonna go five. I'm just not feeling this this money thing. I do get it, but I'm going five. I want to see it. Maybe I'll even see it. I see it. I think two for two attack is okay. He's That's a warrior. Right, he could take he could take attachments if you really want. And then just the ability to use that ability, the ability to heal, uh, cancel damage without exhausting is cool. That is very cool. 
And I guess Gondor, you're always going to have money, really, aren't you? But I just feel like... I feel like, yeah, like, you know, having to sit on money is it's not great. But then Gondor do have a lot of it. So, yeah, I do get it. I get it. I just want to see it. And until I do five. Fair enough. Moving on. Still got cards to go. Live bait. Zero cost tactics uh, event. Trap. Traded. Play only if you control an unattached trap attachment. Action. Choose a non-unique enemy in play. Until the end of the round, treat the chosen enemy's printed text box as if it were blank, except for traits. Then attach an unattached trap attachment you control to the atta- to the enemy. It's weird. So you could play a trap that attaches when they enter play or engage you, and then you can play this to put them in the trap and blank them. And the coolest thing, I guess, is you blank the text box, so if they're immune to traps, they can't attachments, you could blank that, and then put them in the trap, and then potentially kill them before the text box comes back. Is that what this is after? Won't it, won't it fall off when they get unblanked, though? Well, that's where you kill it. Right. As fast as possible. Only a couple traps that actually helps with, like... Entangling nets would help. I guess one thing that's nice about it is it allows you to trap stuff outside of just revealing encounter card stage. Mm-hmm. So you could, you could get like a few of the benefits that you get for trapping things. Um, and it's a little bit more control over where your traps go, which is nice. But it is weird. Now, why do you need to blank the text box? Until the end of the round. That's a long time to blank something. That's pretty good. It is a cool way to get enemies that can't be trapped into traps. You could even do this yeah. on ships. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, um, I guess, which would stop the boarding. Huh? Yeah, that's true. I guess as well, like even just not thinking about stuff that says it's immune to player card effects. You could also blank like nasty text boxes. Sometimes you can't. You can't blank the immune because your immune is active when you're trying to blank it. But you can blank the can't have attachments restriction. Right, okay. I guess um, also you can blank for a round at least nasty text boxes. You know, sometimes stuff gets trapped and its text box is still very yeah. much hurting you, which is kind of annoying, and then you have to kill it anyway, and it's like, what was the point of all that? But maybe that, I don't know. Momak is pretty great because they can't have attachments and they take three damage a turn. You could blank it, trap it, and kill it all in one turn without having to keep it around for three turns. And it wouldn't exhaust all your characters, that one Mumak, or exhaust all your allies in the crossroads. Yeah, that's nice. There's a lot going on, isn't there? There's a lot of conditions yeah, to satisfy. Un- unattached trap. Which the tactics ones might be if they're in your play area. You can do this during the planning phase, too. So you can play a trap that wouldn't you can't play on an enemy and then play this to throw the trap directly onto the enemy. Like entangling nets or ranger spikes. If there's an enemy up there you don't want to engage, you can just put the ranger spikes on him when you couldn't target an enemy like that with it in normal play. I'm liking it more and more, but it, yeah, it's very tricksy. I'll give it a solid 3 out of 10. I'm going to give a six above average. Ooh. 
Give it Lynn three. Yeah, you're the decider again, Ryan. I I don't feel like I don't feel like it's a six. But I don't feel like it's a three either. So I'm going a four point five. Boom. <laughs> I like the text box blank thing the most. I think. I think it's one of the. It's hard to come by. It's probably really broken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. There's so many restrictions and stuff. Next card. Yeah, it must be me. Yes. Right. Worthy of remembrance. Zero cost tactics event. Combat action. Discard a Rohan ally you control to choose an enemy. Deal two damage to that enemy. Four damage instead if the ally was unique. So on the surface, very similar to a lot of other direct damage cards in that you get two as the base and some sort of bonus if you meet a condition. I feel like there are other cards that have similar type of effects, like that doomed one, where you do two damage to things. Cost zero, though, which is nice. Again, it's a Rohan card, so you'll know whether or not it's good compared to me, but I feel like it's a useful... Um, uh, what's the word? Like, starter. You want to get rid of an ally, you can use this to do that. Damage and then set off a chain of effects. That's how I see it being used. And you can get rid of Aemond. Four damage. Get four damage. Yeah. Not many direct damage cards to get that much. That can actually kill something where most direct damage has to be uh, piled up with some other direct damage effects. So this is a standalone direct damage card, in my opinion. But unique characters in Rohan tend to be three cost. So that's a cost. But if you can combine it with other benefits, I like it. It is tactics, which limits it a little bit. Well, Liam's a direct damage fan. Is this mm. tickling I, your fancy, or I just wonder about the Rohan ally there. What the are the Rohan ally? Is there any Rohan allies that really sort of play into that direct damage theme, so that you could just use? Because I don't feel like the direct damage decks are like necessarily like Rohan decks. They're kind of just to be full of like weird events and and allies with like spears of citadel and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like loads of like weird random stuff that just kind of like hodgepodges together to do enough damage to stuff. Um, I feel like that Rohan discard is is perhaps a little bit too limiting for the direct damage deck. But without going through the cards and having a proper look, I, I couldn't say for sure. But it would be a very nice card for that deck. Zero cost just to, for two damage. The amount of stuff you soften up, that would be such a nice little finishing blow. It's also a combat action, so you can do it before they attack. There's another Rohan uh, event where you can discard a Rohan character to discard an enemy. That's pretty awesome, but it's after they attack. So this one is a little more preemptive. Yeah. What's in her hair? It's got a butterfly. Looks like it, doesn't it? A flower, maybe. It looks like butterflies to me. She's picking bugs' wings off. Is that what she's doing? <laughs> well, she's holding a flower. Okay. Maybe that's the just white flowers hand. that grow on the. Oh yeah, this is the mounds they bury the kings under. They're covered with white flowers. So she's worthy of remembrance. She's remembering kings. That's cute. Cool. Uh, what are your scores for this one then? 
I'm going to go six. It's not 100% reliable, but I like the combat action flexibility and the four damage is really attractive. Two damage. Uh, it feels really boring of me to say I'm also going six, but I, I agree. I, I kind of like having those um, ways to trigger things when you're in trouble, you know, discard a Rohan ally to set off your yeah. abilities. I like that. I think I'm going to go four. Um, I think it's six if it makes it into your deck. I think I've got to knock a few points off it because I question whether this makes the cut when you're trying to get down to 40, card, uh, 40 cards. Like, does this... 50. Uh, 50 cards. Playing too much uh, Marvel Champions. <laughs> uh, 50 cards. Does it, does this really genuinely make the cut in your Rohan deck? Yeah. That would be the if, part. If it does, I think it's a solid six as well. I think it's a cool card. Okay. Uh, next one. More cards. More cards, two left, I think. So, although there's only one left on these pictures, that's fine. Uh, need Brooks, no delay. Okay, that sounds like a very punchy sentence. That's like almost a telegram. <laughs> need yeah. Brooks, stop, no delay, stop. <laughs> uh, so, this is reduce the cost to play Need Brooks, no delay. What does that mean? Need Brooks, no delay. What does that mean? Need tolerates no delay. Oh, Brooks is in. Okay, yeah, okay, see. I was thinking, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. It's very <laughs> old. <laughs> That's a very old school term. Uh, reduce the cost to play Need Brooks, no delay by one for each Rohan hero you control. Sweet. Planning action search the top 10 cards of your deck for a card with a printed cost two or less three or less if it's unique and set it aside shuffle your deck then play the set aside card for no cost as if it were in your hand why why do you have to do all that set aside stuff can't it just say search for a cost two or less three if it's unique and put it into play play it probably because it your hand, because well, something yeah. i know why you you can't put into play an event uh, okay. So you could pick an event on this one. Yep. Yep. Um, this seems like an interesting card. So it is it is tactics, which for Rohan sometimes that could be you got you gotta pick a pretty specific you gotta get quite aggressive, haven't you really? Like often your heroes aren't really you're not you don't lean towards tactic heroes unless you're specifically trying to make an aggressive tactic Rohan deck, I, I don't feel like if you're just making a generic swarmy Rohan deck not often tactics i feel um so you search the top 10 cards for any card two or less so you're hoping that you're paying one for this right mm. uh, which because you're not paying four right? <laughs> this is a bad card right um yeah okay and then i guess you're looking for those bomb cards aren't you you're looking for those five cost crazy cards that we were thinking about putting into our decks and doing that i guess Compare this to mustering the Rohirrim of one cost. Search the top 10 cards of your deck for a Rohan ally and add it to your hand. This one costs one to search the top 10 for any card costing three or less and play it for free. Yeah. It's awesome. I, You're I, getting value. I, I, it is also awesome. Value and searching. Yeah. And there's so many cards. I mean, you're right. Tactics may be a little bit rare in Rohan, but like getting out Aimer's horse, for example, mm. for one. 
um, you know, there's, sometimes there's some cards, unique cards in Rohan. You want to see them very Aymer. quickly. Ah, why do I call him? Aemond. Oh, sorry. I keep getting confusing Aemond and Aemond. Oh, you were right. I'm just saying you could get Aemond. Yeah, you got me so confused. <laughs> but you could get Aemond, indeed. Free Aemond. Another way to get him out. Um, one out of ten. So one cost Herogrim. Find your sword. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. I don't know what events you would choose, but it's a plan in action, so all your events aren't going to trigger. But I think it gives Rohan a much uh, higher reliability rate finding those key cards, and it gives you some extra value right away when you see this card too. Two resource, two free resources, best case. Or if you play a uh, bond of friendship, is free for Rohan heroes. That's crazy. That's that crazy. crazy. I need to put that in my deck. <laughs> I do want to point out I have two Rohan decks I really love now that I never go for Rohan bond of friendship deck and this Fengal uh, deck, both really enjoyable. But I should put this in that four hero deck. Could be really good. Yeah, a lot of good allies targets for this and some really good attachments. You could get Guthwin to his sword. That'd be nice to search for. Should I move to the finale? Yeah. This is a epic finale. I get to read it. Oh, joy. <laughs> the contract, the last alliance. Side A. Choose two traits, A and B. Each of your starting heroes and each ally in your deck must have either the printed A or B trait, but cannot have both. You must have at least one starting hero and ten allies in your deck with each trait. Set up, flip this card over. And during the game, you get side B. Well, you control more A characters than B characters. Reduce the cost of the first B ally you play this round by one and vice versa. So whatever you have less of, you get cheaper. Action. Exhaust the last alliance to choose a card in your hand or a card in play under your control. Replace each printed instance of A or B in that card's ability text with A or B until the end of the round. Gondora Rohan. Woo! That's right. <laughs> I feel like this opens up a lot of interesting options, but it just hurts my brain so much to think about it that I... I'm going to have to force myself to do it. <laughs> I, I need to ask a question as well about side B, because when I read it, I want to make sure I'm understanding it properly. So it's the bit where you control more A characters and B characters, right? Reduce the cost of the first B ally you play this round, and vice versa. So what that means is if you control more B than A, you lower the cost of the first A. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. If you control the same amount, it doesn't trigger. Yeah. Good. This last, this last bit, action. Exhaust the last alliance to choose a card in your hand or a card in play under your control. Replace each printed instance of A, so say Rohan, or B, Gondor, in that card's ability text with A or B until the end of the phase. Oh, so it makes your cards one of your cards become like both Rohan and Gondor? Or does it make it switch from Go Gondor to Rohan? It switches it. 
replace a replace with a or or there's an or there. So you, so their their trait now says Gondor or Rohan. It's only one card. There's only one card, but I guess that will help you unbalance if you've got an equal number. If you've got an equal number of A and Bs, you exhaust this card, and now you've got more A's or Bs. That's quite nice. That's right. So if you had two Rohan, two Gondor, you exhaust this, now you have four Gondor, and then you can play a Rohan card. Yeah. Well, not four. You'd have three and one, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I guess it might play into some other fun stuff where maybe events you could have played on or you know things like that do you know what I mean like there's there are other uses not just the unbalanced thing mm-hmm. what a complex card but that's so cool yeah I haven't tried it yet I keep thinking I build a deck then like uh I have to think too much <laughs> for a while I thought it was replace all a with B so like you could do astonishing speed and turn all your gondors into Rohans but it doesn't do that. It just does one. I guess the only benefit you're getting from all of this, all of this text is effectively you're going to get a reduction of the first ally that you play each turn. And you can do wonky things like put fast hitch on a Gondor character or something. If you have a Gondor and Hobbit deck or something weird. During the planning phase, you could make, you could put strange attachments on people. Trying to think of a way, so I'm trying to think of some ways I would build this deck, and so the requirements is basically you need to have twenty allies, mm-hmm. ten of which A, ten of which B. So let's say you want to be consistent, like you don't really want to do that swap in ability, you just want discount. You could choose ten from one faction that are really cheap, like hobbits or something, and then maybe try and get discount on big allies consistently from the B. So you might have 10 hobbits and like 30 big dudes or something like this. That's 40 allies. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's the way I would try to build that initially. Whether it actually work or not, I don't know. You probably want more like 20 allies from B, wouldn't you? 20, 10. Then you got yeah. 30, yeah. 30 is pretty good. And you could do a dual sphere pretty easy that way too. You could do one sphere of your inferior partner in the alliance and then uh, two heroes of the sphere of your more uh, concentrated alliance and then get the reduction as well so you're basically getting three resources of your heavy sphere that's what i was thinking yeah like but maybe you could just build the heavy sphere deck alone <laughs> there's got to be some benefit to running them both together there are certain cards that they've tried to push that before, you know, like that terrible Gondor and Rohan one that nobody ever plays. I've played it a couple times. Yeah, but just when you're trying to do 5,000 willpower. So whether they put this out in the first box and be like, okay, later down the line, we're going to do some stuff that is about combining these traits in your deck. That would be cool. The lore harkens back to Alliance of Men and Elves trying to mm. defeat Sauron a previous go-round. Yeah, I feel like putting attachments on weird characters is what I would want to try to uh, exploit out of that action. Otherwise, it's just a reduction, which is nice. A reduction for free. And you can pile on top of other reductions. You could end up playing like two-cost Rohan allies for nothing. And 
That's quite nice. Could do uh, Theoden and Grima and this and play them for f- three costs for free. Yeah. Score it. Uh, how are we going to rate it? Whoa. Difficult. I think in terms of... Let's rate it in terms of its strength. Oh, no, maybe not. I was going to say against other contracts, but that's probably pretty harsh. Some really great contracts out there. Um, oh, this is a really hard one. I feel like I feel like there's probably like a really strong deck that will take advantage of this contract. Um, several, in fact, some with uh, Rohan Gondor and some with, as as Ryan mentioned, like some other factions. Um, but in terms of the actual strength of it, like that's a lot of text to get a reduction for one. I like um I'd I'd give it like a six point nine. I wanna give it seven, but I can't. Six point nine currently. Uh, one that I'd like to play. Yeah, I feel like I need to put in my time and do some actual testing before I uh give it a good uh, solid score. But I think seven is gonna be about right. I'm I lean towards that as well. I lean towards putting in the time to try it. So I'm I'm doing a safe seven because it looks exciting, but it looks challenging. Yeah, it's a lot of text. I feel like I'm going to play it and get confused by what I'm supposed to be doing and misread the ability multiple times. And then build the deck that actually work after that first. Fail. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Almost certainly. Well, we did it. 21 player cards. When you general impression of the whole mega pack. Very impressive and amazing to have so many cards. Yeah. From what is the first box in a cycle. I almost want to say it's value for money. Like <laughs> free. In in theory, yeah, you know, it can be free. But yeah, the printing I... is is the, the expense. I was thinking. Still cheaper than an FFG box. Actually, it's not. Is it no. not? No, it's not. <laughs> it costs as much as a deluxe to get wow. it printed. Free design. That just because of the scale. Yeah, and the quality of the cards as well, I guess. Um, I mean, you could always print them on paper and then put them, uh, dig out a whole bunch of really bad FFG yeah. cards, glue them onto the front, and then put them in sleeves. and them in. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to glue them, but if they're that bad, just uh, you know, whack them in anyway. <laughs> Um, I my impression is it's it's great, a really great pack. Like this is like it's a bit harsh to say this, but this is the kind of like patch pack that you would have loved to have seen FFG release as the last pack. It's like we know we're not doing any more. Here's a bunch of fixes, or not fixes, but patches. Is I think is a fairer way to say it. Finale, yeah, a bunch of sort of like stuff to really sort of like help out those decks we know we're not going to print anymore type of thing. Um, yeah, rather than giving us that lame duck um, of a last <laughs> Spirit Aragorn. Spirit Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I think this is a really, really cool set of cards. They feel like they're strong. They feel like they're balanced. I feel like there's ones there that I don't wouldn't even play, which um, is good because... Um, I don't think all of these cards will slot into their respective decks at all. I think they have to have a little think about them, which shows that they've been thought about well and designed well. The theme on them is really spot on, like as you mentioned with um, uh, you know cards like Morwen and stuff. Uh, you know the, th- the theme of the of the 
actual uh, mechanics work really nicely with these cards. And um, the art is generally really nice, really awesome job. And it's so nice to have more cards for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm very impressed too. It's clearly a set of cards created by people who play the game and love the game and know what it needs. Nothing but respect for the people working on this. I'm very thankful for their efforts. Yeah, me too. It's awesome. It will take a big box to beat that review, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's not a challenge way. or a request, though. <laughs> <laughs> I heard them say they're going to release two heroes in every adventure pack, too. What? Wow. Can there be that many characters? Christmas. Yeah, it's just going to rain heroes. <laughs> They, um, are they planning to uh, like follow a similar thing? One big box and six? Yeah, they already actually just released the next uh, quest as maybe a three days ago as of recording this. The Albert plot, I think. The ones that we've had printed, uh, is that just the ones in this big box, not the ones in the six pack? Yeah. Okay, so it might be worth like waiting until all six are released then getting the cards printed for that set of six or something. Yeah, she has some shipping. It doesn't save on printing because you have to get multiples of one item to get a discount. But oh, okay, I see. Uh, yeah, it is a bit of a pain to get them printed individually, one at a time, just because of the expensive. But if we can get them for fifteen, twenty dollars each, that's um, certainly worth all it. Over, all over that. Um, and just as absolutely unrelated topic but if you're listening and you're not a patreon yet um you know get involved and uh <laughs> if you are a patreon thank you for these cards i really respect that <laughs> actually we should give away one of these to our patrons definitely we did get four right i already gave sent one out and i have one for myself and one for each of you so i need to just get some more money together and buy a few more We'll all chip in. We'll have a we'll have a little prize of one of these sets for our patrons for sure. Yeah, it's worth getting printed. The backs are different, but if you sleeve, it doesn't matter. What are the backs? Uh, this mappy thing. Huh? Yes, yeah, map in Middle Earth. Kind of brownish, kind of like the map, omnipresent map. Yeah. Wow. Who plays with unsleeved cards? <laughs> Me. No, don't do. Sometimes I do. What's wrong with you, man? Disgusting. <laughs> well, I better not put her around here at the end for a long time. I need to go to bed. It's almost the sun's coming up for me. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> it was a great pack. It's really good to chat about them. Looking forward to incorporating more of them in my deck. Everyone I put in my deck has been a joy so far, and glad to see the game alive and well. Lovely way to end. Thanks for listening.